Do you guys ever worry about being like robo racists? No. Because I had a moment today where like I was I was watching like some New Japan thing, and then like I minimized the window once the match was done, and my computer was like, "Oh hey, while you were busy, I kept this out of your way," and then showed me a notification, and my immediate reaction was, "Don't fucking talk to me like you're a person, you machine," and then I was like, "Whoa, okay." Does, does that concern you guys? Oh, there's a siren. That's the racism police. There they go. There they go. It's too hot. We have to open up the windows. Yeah, we have to, we yeah. have to do it again. I'm so sorry, everybody. Sorry, we don't have aircon in Ireland. That's that's the issue. You might scoff at us being like it's too hot at like 28 degrees, but there's no aircon here. Yeah, because if we had aircon, it would only be on for like like a week and a half every year. But anyway, robo racism. No, because they're not like it's just algorithm. Eve. That's just way more racist than what I said. Are you being technophobic? But you see, that's the thing. I think, like, real life robots, like, walking, talking, sentient, human like David Cage imaginations, they're gonna be a thing. But I think they're gonna be a thing where when we're really old and we're gonna be like, ah, it's not actually human. And we're gonna be like all the horrible people that exist now. I don't think so. I think when we create artificial life, we'll all freak out because we have, like, God complex. We'll be like, oh, we've created life. What is God? Like, if if man can just make life from machine, what are we? Have we been in a simulation this entire time? Maybe we're robots. You see, I think we'll be like that. I think our kids will be like, they're, they're just robots. They're just people. Why, why, why do you have to see them differently? Because they'll grow up with it. It's like kids yeah. with fucking iPads. They just get it. Um, I was over at my aunt's at the weekend and she was telling me about my cousins-in-law and one is a 12-year-old boy and he gets home from school at half two, three o'clock and from 3 p.m. till 7 p.m. plays Fortnite every day. Fuck. That is so nuts. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember the time when all, we like, you just had nothing. I had to like... I just played in the forest. Yeah. Yeah, you climbed trees and then when you went home to the computer you would click on an image and it would load like line by line and you were like this image better be worth it yeah these tifa titties better be good Yeah, those Tifa titties better be good. I was just going on, like, murder websites. Because I was like, what's, like, the most fucked up thing I can find? Man, kids like you used to scare the shit out of me. Because I, I had kids like this in my class. And I'd never look at, like, the real fucked up websites. But they would tell me about them. Yeah. And I think them telling me about them was nearly worse. And there was a few where, I kind of thinking back to it, I'm nearly 99% sure they were just making it up. You don't know. There's so much fucked up stuff on the internet. Yeah, I it's guess so. It's probably all real. Probably. The internet home of the Let's Fight a Boss video game podcast. The world's strongest video game podcast. I am sitting here with two of, I'm just going to say it, the most infinite beings in existence. To my left, hundreds of thousands of feet tall made entirely of a metal so dense that if you were to look at it at a microscope, you would suffer space madness. It's Brian. Hey. 
And to my right, the void, the infinite nothing but the absolute everything. Queen of the universe. It's Neve. And the podcast. And the Hello. Podcast. Yeah. yeah. And with you. That, that's kind of taking the wind out of my sails a little bit. Who are you? With you always, I'm your host, John. A.K.A. Spooky building. <laughs> like a fucking... Like, are you made out of bricks and shit? Yeah, I'm, I'm made out of bricks, but, like, there's ghosts in the bricks. And if you, if you, like... It's real crumbly, but if you take one of the bricks away, a bunch of ghosts fly out, and they're like, whoa. Do you ever have to do this thing when you were building a house in Ireland? What? You would have to throw... Yeah, you know, when you build your house. <laughs> we built a house, but, like, you used to throw a miraculous metal into the, like, foundation so ghosts won't haunt it. No. <laughs> that never came up. Old school Ireland. It's Neve. Me building my house was my parents driving me from one location to another and being like, here now. Oh, God. We had to go to the foundation and it was like, this will you be your bedroom, Neve. Throw in the cross so you won't die of ghosts. Oh, you know what? <laughs> okay. We laugh. Which one of us is haunted? You, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the, the house I grew up in was built when I was about six. And they were kind of showing us the floor plan and going, you're going to be here, you're going to be there. Can you imagine this? And I was like, no. And then when we, when I saw the house, I was like, right, where's the like, I, I thought there was going to be like an underwater fish tank. And my dad was like, I never said that. And I was like, I thought there was going to be that you'd look at the floor and there'd be fish down there. And, and my dad was like, you made that up, Ryan. You're not a James Bond villain. I just, I was lied to. By myself mm-hmm. your own worst enemy so I watched that show Barry Brian you were talking about this a little while ago yeah last month great show I echo your thoughts on this show it's very good a little bit of a slow burner takes yeah. a while to get moving but Jesus Christ when it does the bit in the second half where they show up at that airstrip to fucking hell that was so well done yeah. like it really turns into Breaking Bad in the second half and what's cool about this show is if if you missed that episode, it's basically a hitman takes a job in LA, accidentally becomes an actor, is very bad at it, must but loves it, so must balance acting and assassination. Yeah. And boy, do zany hijinks ensue. Um, what I really, really liked about the show is, like, I totally didn't feel that this was a show where they're, like, angling for a second season. Like, eight episodes go by, or is it ten I think eight. I think eight, yeah. And it could be self-contained, And yeah. it's like, yeah, there's totally... They leave the door open for more, but, like, all your questions are answered. It is a self-contained story, has a message. Really, really good show. Very sad, very funny, just the way I like them. Brian. Yes. Tell us about the gorillas. Gorillas is a fictional animated band that I saw live. No, I'm very I, okay. I'm very confused on several levels. Okay, gorillas have been around for what, like the better part of two decades. Yeah, I would say possibly two decades. Yeah, two thousand, two thousand one. Yeah. yeah, we're like coming up to it. Um, I've always wanted to see gorillas live because I was like, how the fuck do they do that? I saw them live in Dublin at uh, start of June, and my question was answered. So I was just going to talk about it briefly. When you see gorillas live, it involves Damon Albarn, who's the vocals of Two D and kind of one half of the creation behind Gorillaz uh, comes out on stage and he has two drummers, two guitarists two guys on keyboard, an eight person gospel choir 
and rappers whenever they are necessary for a specific track and it's outdoors and it's a great time man yeah yeah I smelt all kinds of things okay do they do they have the holograms they didn't have holograms um, I think that only works indoors Ah. Do they do that often, or is that just like an award show thing? They've done the holograms yeah. before, yeah. yeah. They had them built for an award show, but then they use it for a lot of demon days, I think. That'd be so cool to see. Mm. Um, but they mostly did demon days. They didn't do a lot of Plastic Beach, because the musicians that they work with on Plastic Beach just aren't available. Okay. Because it's like Snoop Dogg and Little Dragon. Uh, but a lot of demon days is like... Uh, it, it, it's a lot more UK-based and Brooklyn-based Did they rappers. do All Alone? I can't remember. Yeah, that happens to me all the time at gigs. There was a lot of stuff I didn't recognize because I don't. I'm, I I didn't really listen to Demon Days. Demon Days. Oh, that's really such a good, good album. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really good. But then Rebecca listens to it and she was like, "Yeah, they pretty much played the entire Demon Days." Okay, man. That, yeah, that'd be sick. That's that is a really iconic album. I think. But they played a lot of new tracks off uh, the Now Now, which is out in a couple days. But they would always say this is a new track or they would like have the name of the song yeah but the way they work is that they have a big giant screen behind them that'll play music videos or have motion graphics and so i know we talked about it that murdoch the bassist in the band is in prison so he's been temporarily replaced with ace from the powerpuff girls so ace was on screen sometimes and people would start cheer cheering and then damon alburn would point at ace and be like yeah see wait Who's Ace from the Powerpuff Girls? He's he's the leader of the Gangrene Gang. Mm-hmm. That, oh, okay. Because I thought it was a Powerpuff Girl that was joining them. But that's just as good. Because that's appropriate. But he's like a lower tier enemy. Like, he's in a couple episodes, but he's not Mojo Jojo or him or someone more iconic. Yeah, he's someone who gets punched in the background. Yeah. I like the Gangrene Gang. Yeah, they're fun. They're very funny. I like how one of them is like a hunchback. I think, no I think if me and you, Brian, were cartoon characters, we might be one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... It, it, it was just a really really nice time and when they play like the last few songs Damon goes around and like shows off each member of the band and let, 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 let lets them do their thing mm. it, was, it was it was very kind of inviting and welcoming and sounds, sounds like a good gig it was, it was all about family yeah. I get very impatient at concerts do you guys ever get like that I'm kind of like play the three songs I like so I can go home I've been to some gigs and it takes an hour to start and People get pissed, but then as soon as it starts, people are in a good mood. But then as soon as it's done, you're kind of pissed again. <laughs> I've only went to one gig I was not into, and that was Rihanna. Because she wasn't into it either. Yeah, I had that with the AES. Um, Neve. Tell us about killing Eve. Here's my elevator pitch. Okay. So I love being in elevators and saying weird things. I can confirm that. Um, my elevator pitch for killing Eve, two words. Lesbian Hannibal. Oh dear. Are we in? Yes, Yes, we are. (laughs) We're in. Okay, so this is a BBC America series. I know about this show and I'm I'm really looking forward to watching it. You will love it. I think it's the best piece of TV I've seen in such a long time. It's eight episodes long. It stars Sandra Oh as Eve. And Sandra Oh, you might know her from Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. And it stars uh, Jodie Comer as Vanelle. Eve is a desk job mi5 agent but she's got a fascination with serial killers and of course you would if you were in that position but she doesn't get the chance to ever like kind of hunt them she has to listen to the other people talk around her and kind of take notes 
until this killer starts killing and she is talented she is the best she's killing these high profile targets and she's doing it and no one has a clue who she is she's beautiful she's smart she's fluent in multiple languages and she's a stone cold psychopath 100% has no emotion Eve becomes obsessed with tracking her but the psychopath becomes obsessed with Eve tracking her and there's this really intense dance that happens between them they're just trying to hunt each other and it's just so fascinating because all the acting is so on point like everyone is bringing their a-game and there's moments in the series where I was just on the edge of my seat tense being like oh my god what is going to happen and there was moments when I was laughing out loud because it has this really dry humor throughout the whole thing as well it's just it's like the premise is absurd and no one pretends in the series that it isn't absurd like the like the psychopath assassin becomes obsessed with the agent f- trying to track her down and that's crazy and the agent is like Eve is like this is crazy but I'm also obsessed with trying to find her and it's just like this mad kind of mashing of wills and genius all together and it's one of these series that just keeps you engaged that I wanted to binge it like I really wanted to get through it because I was just so fascinated all the acting is so on point and the chemistry is all there like it's really really intensely good and there's these moments like in in Hannibal when you watch Hannibal there's these moments where you're like maybe Hannibal isn't awful like he shows these moments of humanity and then at the end of the film or the end of the series you'll be like no he was a psychopath all the time you never get to forget you're dealing with a psychopath in this you have that moment of you know maybe she does care and then something so brutal happens and so callous happens that it kind of just it shocks you and you're like yeah she's a psychopath and the show never lets you forget that sandra oh is such an amazing actress they're doing a season two and i can't wait for it how many episodes is season one eight okay so hearing you talk about this it kind of sounds a little bit like that um northern irish one with scully uh oh the fall is it would it the fall is way more serious this okay. has a this has a dark humor to it yeah. this has like like it, the fall is the bleakest fucking yeah the fall is it. like the fall is amazing but it is bleak and yeah. that deals with the bleak side of this this is like this is bleak but it also deals with the comedy of how bleak it is. Like, as an assassin, um, Vinanel doesn't give a shit why she's killing people, because she's a psychopath. She gets paid. She's like a fashionista living in a penthouse apartment. She's like, I don't know, I get dresses and cake, and all her fridge is filled with champagne. She doesn't care. And, like, it's just, like, fascinating to have this young woman who should be, like, this, like, high point in her life, but is just this absolutely brutal serial killer who's just hunting people down and watching them beg for their lives and she just doesn't bat an eyelid she just doesn't give a shit and it's that like absolute commitment to her as a psychopath that makes it fascinating that sounds awesome that sounds gen- i, I mm-hmm. i'm excited to check that out uh, with a lot of tv as well like like it's very america centric this is all throughout europe so they go to germany they go to france they go to italy they go to russia they're in the uk a lot of the time and that's like it's lovely to see that architecture and sure. it's a very pretty looking series like yeah. it's a good looking series as well as a very well acted one 
Cool, that sounds great. That sounds really, really good. So, don't sleep on Killing Eve. Don't sleep on Killing Eve. A little bit grim, serial killers and whatnot, so we should probably lighten the mood and talk about Hereditary. Neve, you saw this last night? I did, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to in a few days. I can't wait. We're not going to get too spoilery. No. But man, that's a... That's a bad time, that movie. It's a very upsetting movie. Um, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Not perfect. Like, I kind of feel like you could very distinctly break that movie into two halves. I loved the first half, and I really, really liked the second half. But I felt like the first half, where it's actually pretty light on anything spookery, mm-hmm. was just this fucking incredible tone piece of just like how to establish tension and fear and worry and it was really jet and like it builds to this really awful thing happening and like I was like just fucking spellbound the entire way through that and then after that I thought it was still a really really effective horror film but I think maybe what took it away from me is that the direction it ends up taking as well as like the ending really strongly echoes a lot of modern horror films I've seen but all those horror films I like and I liked this but I think it's like if I had seen this film three years ago I would I'd be even more in than I already am mm. how'd you find it Eve? I think this is an instant horror classic yeah I, I, yes I yes. think this is one of the best horror films I've ever seen and people are gonna be talking about this and writing about this and making like essays about this till the end of time this is like this is the best of new horror cinema um i loved every bit of it it i've never i never feel that afraid watching horror like it just i'm so used to it that it never really scares me this is the first time watching horror where i was scared like i was really i kept freaked out i I kept thinking of that that uh stephen king quote that it was actually like a criticism for the shining but i always thought it was a really good expression of it a film made to hurt people Mm. that's what i feel like this is oh completely it like it hurts but it hurts because of how well executed everything executed everything is yeah absolutely it is like with a lot of modern horror there's a lot of like greeny blue gradient over it it's got that coldness to it and you're watching a horror and you know you're watching it from the visual style of this hereditary has this autumnal homely palette to it the colors used in it are orange and red and mustard yellows and a lot of the scares happen like there's a lot of nighttime in it but a lot of the freaky stuff happens during the day and like there's it's a masterclass in sound design and editing you know there's just this one bit and it's just three perfectly normal scenes next to each other but they just layer this fucking awful drone behind it Mm. and it's like i think what that does is it makes you hypersensitive to all the very slightly off things that happen in those scenes and i'm told that if you go back and watch this film a second time you see a lot you did not see the first time so i'm really pumped to go back and see it there was like some moments like at the start that stuck out to me just because someone's face looked a little weird and then at the end i saw their face again kind of thing and it was just like I was just like that seems way too intentionally weird a smile or something but like that kind of thing crops up um in hereditary it's a family piece it's about a dysfunctional family that's dealing with loss every member of that family is so amazingly well acted 
Like, there is not one weak link. Everyone is doing a fantastic job. Little girl really stood out to me. Yeah, Charlie. Amazing. Um, there's just... There's so much to pick at it. It's just, it's just like, a fascinating tone piece. And I love, like, I love miniatures and figures. And I love that the story was told through the the mom makes doll houses and while she's dealing with all these like like moments of loss she's making miniatures of her life there's one or two scenes where like you see what she's making and it's just like oh no 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 you can't do that mm-hmm. that's so fucked up and there's uh there's even just bits like there's one bit where she gets a fright something really scary happens and like you know the way they do that it's like quick cut quick back like quick cut back to whatever scared her or the lack of whatever scared her but there's just this one shot where they just fucking hold on her face for like eight seconds it felt like an eternity it felt like forever and it's just this actor making these horrified awful faces and it is so unnerving Mm -hmm. and i feel like the film is just full of these little instances like that like just these fucking horrifying tiny things but they're all so perfectly executed and they all come together so well that it's just it is one of the most like uncomfortable atmospheric horrors I've ever seen. The stuff I'd say like about the end, I think it is totally the kind of thing if you have seen the films that have done that as well, you'll be like, oh okay. Cause like, especially that final scene, like I have seen two films in the last three years that have that identical ending. Like literally identical. Um, and so that was the only kind of bummer I had with it but that is such a minor quibble for probably maybe my favourite film I've seen this year yeah I think yeah probably my favourite film I've seen this year as well and I had a problem with the ending as well there's a VO at the end a very extended nearly explanation of what happened at the end by one character but I was like it felt unnecessary I was like yeah I got it I was surprised by that because when I said I liked it on Twitter I got a lot of people talking about like the ending and one person being like well what what did the ending mean and i was kind of like what do you mean what, what do you does mean? it mean yeah, yeah. Like, it's it, I, I i can't break it down any simpler than the film did yeah like, there's no there's no like there's no hidden meaning there it yeah just, it is what it is john would you not just make an ending explain video yeah you know what yeah ending explain video guaranteed yeah it, that's that's really upsetting to me about people's like film literacy because like not only is the film like it's not a surprise ending the film is literally building to that and you're given puzzle pieces no matter no matter how subtle to that build and even though you have the build there's a like there's an explanation which i thought was unnecessary but seemingly is really necessary and even then like the the visuals of that bit are so just in your face like there's there's no two ways about that this is like it's so spelt out oh god the internet has ruined people but that's that yeah that is, I, I do feel like that and actually like we, we got some comments the effect of this like i think it was i got an email did I, maybe i talked about this i got a mm-hmm. message from some guy kind of being like um, about how he really likes explained videos because he wouldn't understand the stuff otherwise and i get i get where that's coming from but i just think like what you feel while experiencing a piece of art is so much more important than what's meant to happen in it. Yeah. And this is a film where you feel things, bad things, mm-hmm. but that's great because feeling things is awesome. Sometimes it doesn't need to be a concrete answer to what happened. It's the journey kind of thing and what you got from it is good enough. And when you watch one of these explained videos, 
that's someone's interpretation. That isn't the final interpretation. Absolutely not. Like, like I've watched some amazing videos on Hereditary now that like like really give vastly different viewpoints of what the whole thing could have mm-hmm. mean. Uh, Nick Spears, who I like loot dropped before, has an amazing video where she talks about it as uh, analogy for transness. Which is just a fascinating take that I would have never gotten from it. Yeah, I never would have touched that. But obviously, like, that's her fucking truth with it. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it was, like, when she puts the pieces together, you're like, okay, you know, that perfectly makes sense with your telling of the narrative. So, like, there isn't one way to read film. And I hate that Explained Videos makes it feel like there's a final answer to every question and no questions being asked it's just yeah. an experience well like i think right now it's one of those things where explained is an algorithm hit word mm-hmm. like you will get boosted if you have explained at the end of your video like even after e3 there was like x video explained x trailer yeah. explained it made me so sad yeah i think people i guess if i was to like put a put a ribbon on it i would be like people should trust their own feelings with stuff mm-hmm. and like if you at the end of a movie you're like what the fuck happened there well like i think that's a valid you didn't fuck up maybe it just didn't get to you the way it should and Mm -hmm. so it's like it doesn't need to be explained maybe just like it's very rarely i experience a piece of art and then i'm like what and then someone explains it to me and i think more of the piece of art because i already kind of had my experience yeah anyway Good movie. I would really try go see Hereditary in the cinema. Uh, sound design alone makes it worth it. Beautifully shot, fantastically acted. A goddamn step forward for horror cinema, as far as I'm concerned. Go see it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Brian. <laughs> Fine. Um, we're gonna get a little bit more serious now. Um, if you are driving in your car, I'm gonna ask you to pull over. If you're standing up, sit down. Maybe just kind of. Uh, you know, just take a moment here because we got something pretty big coming up. If you're pooping, stop midway. Don't make light of this, Neve. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's President Evil. From the leading name in biotechnology, comes Regenerate. The breakthrough from the Umbrella Corporation. Umbrella President Evil. Rest in peace, your ears. Okay, so if you're new here, we have an ongoing segment that has come, become very sporadic, and I think that's how we're gonna keep it. I don't wanna, I don't wanna shotgun what we got left. No. But um, we have been watching all the pres- all the Resident Evil movies in order. We have done the entire live action series, and we have made our way into the CG realm. And we already covered. I think it was Damnation. Yeah. And so this time, we're covering Resident Evil Vendetta. You skipped one in this. Did I? Yeah, it's Damnation, Degeneration, then Vendetta. Bollocks. But it's fine, Vendetta's the best one. It's the most recent one. It came out yeah. last year, last maybe the year before. Okay, this is a little unorthodox, but I just gotta do it. It's a great film. This is talk- the best Resident Evil movie. Yeah! Yeah, yeah. Vendetta 100%. is fucking fantastic. So good. It's so good. Uh, I took notes about things that were happening during this movie. So this movie stars Leon and Chris and Rebecca Chambers as the main characters. And it takes place between the events of Resident Evil 5 and 6. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a CG motion capture film that kind of looks like Final Fantasy Spirits Within. Or the Gantz O film. 
Some pictures, it's a, Brian, episodes ago, you talked about Rebecca taking that sip of coffee. Yeah. That is a satisfied sip. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's um, some good acting. Can I read out my notes from this? They're not, they Go for it. Okay. Scientist has tiny arms. There's a scientist at the start of this movie, and his arms are so tiny. It's really weird. He looks like, like a little, like a little Tyrannosaurus. Like right? short. <laughs> like, yeah, like his. It, it looks could like, have been a birth defect, John. You don't know. It, it, I, it, it just looks like someone didn't CG him right. Okay. Monster Gimp and Ultra Porn. Yeah, those are the two bad guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they both look great. They both look fantastic. Wedding bomb nuke. <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of my favorite parts. Yeah. They ruined that guy's wedding. Two people have dropped to their knees and scream no in the same three minute section. <laughs> so someone dies, someone drops to them and shouts no as the camera pulls back. That happens again, not three minutes later. Breaking Bad conversation. Yes! Oh, yeah. I, I love this because it puts Resident Evil in the real world. Like Breaking Bad exists. 40 seconds. <laughs> CG Resident Evil characters have a conversation about how Breaking Bad is ahead of its time. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's so good. Chris and Leon are gay and angry. Yeah. They yeah. Are. Leon has a drinking problem now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to explain this one. Zombie wedding do-over. <laughs> a character says to another character, I'm going to replace your arm with Sarah's. Maybe that will change your mind about me. <laughs> and this is in capitals. Monster Gimp and Ultra Porn are in love and they were at a wedding. They were at the wedding. <laughs> Leon shoots a dog in the head, drops a billboard bonnet, tosses a grenade on it. Is is that during the motorcycle chase? That's yes. all. And yeah, and, 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 and like it's all in one take, and it mm -hmm. just it keeps going, and like you're enjoying it, and then you start laughing, but then you start crying. That is the worst I've ever seen a dog get fucked up in a movie. Like he fucking annihilated that thing. Like no fucking T virus is helping that guy out. He's fucking dead. Rover is dead. Uh, I love this movie. This was fuck. This was a thing of beauty. I really like the bit to start as well when they're in the mansion. And they have that like very thin piano wire up, and the characters run through it and get sliced up. I fucking love when films do that. Beautiful, beautiful. Because you know, you know that bit in Resident Evil Four where like Leon has to go through that like science chamber and like the red laser beams come out and you have to quick time your way through it. But that 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 but that if you fuck up, they have the model design so that you can it'll sandwich up Leon. They do so much cool stuff with Leon's model and that. Like, there's all these weird death animations exactly like that, where, like, yeah. you'll never see them unless... Like, do you ever see the one where if one of the bug things in the sewers kills you with its vomit? Half Leon's face melts off and, like, his no. eyes, like, die. really <laughs> gross. But anyway, um, I thought it was really interesting that the T-Virus turns men into these big hulking gimp monsters and women into the most awfully sexy thing like this CG woman is like something I would marry if I were still 12 <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, and she just gets wrecked she has very few like moments in the film <laughs> yeah but the bit where you realise there's a romantic connection between her and the giant gimp monster I thought it was her dad am I, am I misremembering maybe I was kind of half watching parts so maybe but I seem to remember that she was at the wedding 
and yeah. that they were a couple oh. and I think there's a point where she says my love maybe but yeah that hey probably, could have still been her yeah. dad maybe this film went places I love the wedding I love like I love Rebecca in the wedding dress and all the guests are just in boxes <laughs> that that was kind of the bit where I was like well no the the nuke the nuke wed the Okay, you get an aerial view of a plane dropping an atomic bomb and then the camera follows the bomb down into the wedding. Yeah. And then there's a bit where, like, the bad guy is like, oh, where is she? And he, like, picks up his wife's hand, but then he keeps bringing it into shot so you can see that it's cut off. And it's just, it is fantastic. It's like, if you needed a motivation for a bad guy, like, nuking his wedding is a pretty good motivation. Yeah, like, Umbrella are fucked <laughs> up. Like, imagine trying to go against the Umbrella after that, being like, do you want to go after Umbrella? It's like, no, did you hear what they did at that dude's wedding? Like, they don't fuck around. <laughs> but, um... It kind of... The last, I think, quarter, maybe, descended into the usual kind of, like horror movie monster ending yeah but because i don't really remember much of that but i really had a great time with this movie i think as a rule with resident evil the last the end of it is going to be mutated giant monster that is going to take a lot to kill but eventually will be killed yeah like and that kind of yeah it's such a a big tetsuo looking yeah yeah just a mishmash of cells it kind of has to happen you always have to have the dog you always have to have some kind of laser there's always usually a motorbike scene like there's recipes to Resident Evil now that if they weren't in there you'd be like where's the motorbike yeah you know yeah yeah. so we have degeneration left yeah and then is there do we have any Resident Evil movies uh <laughs> we can go deeper if you want I want there is a Resident Evil stage play say no more <laughs> okay say no more but we're not we're gonna leave that till the end um and then we're gonna. I, I think I, I like this section, so I think we have to find a way to extend it. Maybe we just do a deep dive on video game movies. Let's let's just. I think the there's some real quality entries in the Silent Hill franchise. Yes, <laughs> there's two of them. We have the Assassin's Creed movie. We oh we yeah, have, no one was watching that. We have, uh, the Super Mario Bros. The first movie. Silent Hill one is pretty good. Okay, look, I like I'm just saying. Those. I'm mm. just saying, the second Silent Hill movie is one of my favorite movies. Really, the second one. Cool. Okay. Pyramid Head has some good character development in it. I told a story about going to see that on my birthday before, didn't I? I think so. Okay. Good. Happy birthday, John. Happy birthday, John. Um, but yeah, that is Resident Evil Vendetta. That gets to Let's Fight a Boss seal of approval. Fucking fantastic movie. And with that, we are going to move into our strategy talk. <laughs> Okay, I'll start us off super quick. Uh, I played Yoku's Island Adventure. Um, I'd heard this game get a lot of buzz recently and I was kind of curious to check it out. Um, The premise is really kind of weird and interesting. You're a little beetle, okay? And you're you're sailing towards your... I think it's called Yoku's Island Express, apologies. You're sailing towards your islands. First thing you meet is this giant pterodactyl. And he's like, hey, I'm the postmaster here. Shit's getting real fucked up. I'm out. And then... You are now the postmaster, and it is your job to deliver letters around the islands. The island is run by this, like, old god Cthulhu-looking thing. It's fucking weird. What is this on? Everything. Okay, cool. But the gameplay is, like, 
It's like a kind of Metroid game. Okay. Big 2D open world map. But the hook is that you're rolling this little ball around. And in all these sections... So you, you're, you're a dung beetle. Dung beetle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. dung beetle. All right. Uh, I'm impressed you're both able to get there from that awful description. Fair play. But um, you will occasionally enter these little sections and it's just pinball. Like, it's like... With the poop. It's. I'm not sure if it's poop, maybe. Because it, it look, just looks like a little grey ball, but maybe there's poop inside the ball. I don't know. Maybe that's like his luggage. But... um. So then left trigger is left is left bumper, right trigger is right bumper, and it just turns into a pinball. So it's like this 2D open world game. Imagine, you know in Metroid, imagine when if Samus turns into a ball, you could just go into pinball sections. That's what this game is. Metroid Samus pinball. Yeah. Yeah. For the for the DS. Yeah, but it's open world. Okay. And he's a postman. And he's a postman. And there's a little story and a narrative and you get upgrades and stuff. Is this like a little pixel art game? No. It looks like... I guess I would describe it more like kind of Ori in the Blind Forest, but not that out there art-wise. This is, this is really reminding of... The, this is like this has similarities with the game I'm going to talk about, but it seems like tonally they're on opposite ends. Very, very different. Yeah. Okay. Um, if anything I've said sounds good to you, I think you should check out this game um, because it executes on everything it does very well. I'm about four hours in. I think that's enough for me because I'm just not into pinball enough or the kind of... I'm not... Like, it's a very kind of happy game and, like... I'm a sad person, so it's not... I'm not really on that level as well. So I feel like it is a really good game that is not appealing to me personally, but if I have... If if what I've said sounds good to you, you should really, really check it out because, like, it does seem like the game that a lot of love has gone into it. But, yeah. Brian... Yeah. Tell us about the Octo Expansion. This is Splatoon 2 Octo Expansion, which I thought was coming out in July, but then they were like, ah, actually, it's out now. And I was like, all right, let's do this. So I bought it, played a little bit of it, and it's good so far. Yeah, uh, I played a bit of it too. I made my Octoling. He has an Afro. I was very happy with that decision. Um, it's kind of like Persona 5, where you're going on a train underground. Yeah. Because that happens in Persona 5. But then... You walk around a train carriage, but then when you navigate the world, you just navigate it through a menu on your phone. So I was like, okay, see where they cut the corners here. But then you're just doing like missions, and like so far the missions are good. I'm I'm really impressed with the variety so far. Yeah. yeah. Has it a single player story? Yeah, this this is just single player. Oh, okay. And it's just like weird Splatoon lore. Which is always kind of interesting. Yeah, and there's a lot of personality to it. Yeah, yeah, there is. Like, I, I, don't, I don't get the feeling it's, like, kind of tossed off. Like, if, I feel like there there has been effort that's gone into this. Yeah, like, I like that the ticket inspector is a little sea slug. <laughs> the first cutscene where he comes along. Yeah. And he takes, like, 20 seconds to crawl over to you. <laughs> yeah, because you're like, who's saying that? What's this little thing? Oh, that's who's talking. <laughs> um, I, I'm only at the start, though. But from what I've heard, the boss battles are really good in it. Wow, I didn't know those boss battles. Apparently, those boss battles, and it rem- it reminds me of Let It Die a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it's it, it's just got a weird like edgy vibe to it. Yeah, um, seems alright. I look forward to playing more. Yeah, same. Yeah, totally. Um, I also played Bloodstained: Curse of the Moon. Did this come out? Is so this Castlevania. Yeah, this this is the Igarashi game. You're both right, but you're also both wrong. Okay. You're thinking of the actual Bloodstained game, which is the Kickstarter, 
one of the stretch goals for that Kickstarter was a smaller game called Curse of the Moon. A stretch game, a stretch goal for a game was another game. Yes. Wow. Okay. As far I could have that wrong. I wasn't in on that Kickstarter, but I was curious. I had a weekend in London. I wanted something to play, and so I was like, "Feck yeah, I'll download this." I really hope that Bloodstained is as good as this game because this game is fan fucking tastic. This is so cool. Really, really old school looking, really, really retro look to it. Like, not even Super Nintendo, like Nintendo. And I actually don't like a lot of the look. I don't really like the look to a lot of 8 bit stuff because I found that back then getting like clarity was so important. The kind of things like, you know, art direction and stuff were never really thought about. This is a hyper 8 bit looking game with amazing art direction. The colors are beautiful. The, the sprite design is fucking amazing. I don't know that you could do some of these sprites on like an older system because they look maybe a little too high fidelity. But God, the stuff they do with it. No enemy in this game is like a skeleton or like a werewolf. Everything in this game is some weird fucking thing I have never seen before. Even just like the base, like there's this one enemy, this is one level and the grunt enemies are like these massive, really creepy looking women in cloaks that just like run towards you and look like they're going insane. And it looks so cool. The way it works is that um, it's Castlevania well before they introduced like Metroid elements to it. It's just like kind of 2D level based Castlevania. And you go, you start off as this guy, this like samurai guy, and you go through it and each level you get a new character and you can switch between them on the fly and they all have their strengths and weaknesses. Um, there's one guy like the alchemist and he seems totally useless because he has no range, his attacks take ages, but he has the best magic in the game and has all these insane spells, whereas other people have bad magic but like good attacks and it's really cool because all the characters feel like suited to different situations and all of them feel like suited to different boss fights. And the boss encounters are really fucking cool, like they're really tense and dramatic. All the bosses have this final attack that like they will only do when they die it's like their dying breath but one thing i realized the dying breath never actually kills you it's just there to seem exciting even though it'll look like it causes damage which i thought was kind of cute and um this is just a really really good game like this is one of my favorite games i played this year i beat it twice i beat it once because i, I don't want to spoil it but it's like you beat it the first time and something happens that would dramatically change a new game plus and then you beat it the second time to fight the actual final boss and it changes the gameplay in a really meaningful way and I was so happy to play it again and I'd say I got easily like 10 to 15 hours out of this and it cost me 10 quid and it's on the Switch and it's just if you want just pure great gameplay, great art direction, just it nailing it, this game fails at nothing. Everything about this game, like any criticism I have is very minor. It is a really, really good, just old school game, and it does not, the retro charm, like if that's appealing to you, it's going to work. It's not really for me, not this era, but even despite that, I loved everything about this game. Absolute quality. So excited to see what they're gonna do with actual Bloodstained base off this. And a lot of that's just, the art direction is incredible. Does it have a narrative? It has a very basic narrative. Text crawl at the start, text crawl at the end. Cool. And I think the text crawl feeds into actual Bloodstained. 
So it's kind of like a little prequel. Totally. Okay, cool. That's that's interesting. If I'm if I have it right, one of the one of the characters you play as is the girl from Bloodstained. Like the main girl from Bloodstained. That's cool. For like ten euro as a like entry for yeah. that, that sounds amazing. Yeah. That sounds I great. I was genuinely delighted by it. Really was not expecting to enjoy it so much and just had such a good time with it. So yeah. Really, really would recommend checking that out. Um, especially, like, if you're into, like, you know, Metroid games or Castlevania games or anything. It, this is just... It's really good. It's really tight. It has no weakness. It's its a great game. M- one of my favorites I've played this year, for sure. Neve, I see you, too, have been walking in the realm of the vampires. I've been playing Vampire. This is Don't Nod's game that I've been looking forward to for since since i heard don't nod was going to make a vampire game i've been excited for this game the idea of a conversation tree choice mechanic rpg with vampires is so intriguing to me i love vampires i love how dramatic they are i love the moral con- quandary of do you drink someone's blood or do you try and rise above your kind of base instincts kind of thing. That all sounds like the most perfect elements for a don't nod game. Vampire is the most boring vampire game I've... Vampire media I've ever played and I'm so bummed. I'm so disappointed. And like... I'm kind of torn because like there's moments that I have where I really enjoy this game and there's moments where it's not great. So I started I started this game up totally excited to get into vampire territory. This was cost me 69.99. That's way too much money. That is way too much money. This should be like um like Cessna's uh, sacrifice like That's 30 quid game. 30 40 quid. Yeah. Totally go to entry point for this. This was 70, 70 euro like that's absolutely nuts it is so janky and I heard like a few a few people on um, Twitter called it euro jank and this is so full of fucking euro jank fucking euro jank um, it is the menus are slow and they are clunky to get in and out of you press your uh, game the touchpad to get into your main menu It'll take you two seconds for that thing to pop up. Oh, that That's such a killer. Like, that's not quality of life yeah. at all. No, and you need to go in and out of there to see your map, um, to set your waypoints, to look at your mission quest. There's a lot of reading of like pieces of material to like unlock dialogue trees with people. It is so clunky. The opening cutscene is where how it's all set up, and this is set in 1918 after... After World War One, you play a character called Dr. Jonathan Reed. He served in the French army during World War One, uh, or maybe it was the British army and he was fighting in France. But you know this because he keeps telling you. Like, he keeps fucking saying it. He keeps going, I was in the French, like, I was in the war. Like, and you're like, okay, you've told me, you've told everyone. Like, someone will tell him a problem and he'll go, when I was in the war. And you're like, oh, okay, Dr. Reed. So, like, you're playing as Jonathan, you open up. And there's a cutscene. And this is when I knew it was janky and I knew this should not have been $69.99. He, like, kills a character by biting them. He's, like, full of bloodlust. There's He doesn't make contact with their neck. He goes to kiss them on the forehead afterwards. Doesn't make contact with the kiss. Oh, no. There's He's like, there's blood everywhere. There's no blood. 
<laughs> like it's just the visuals are not displaying what this, the, got, this got one pass and that was yeah it. like it's like it's not getting across what I'm being told is happening visually and that happens a lot of the way through like you'll like you you play as a doctor and you will see a corpse and he will go through say there's a puncture wound on the chest there's no puncture wound on the chest model like it's stuff like that yeah, that yeah. just will and you're like okay I guess that the visuals aren't what's important here and I'll put that behind me and I won't be bothered by that. And and I did very quickly because that's fine. The game has frozen consistently on me. If I play a four hour gaming session, it will freeze three to five times. Jesus, that's fucking awful. I will get a freeze for putting a waypoint down. I will get a freeze for opening a door. I will get a freeze for anything that will make that game chug in the slightest. God. And it's a freeze that sometimes that if I wait long enough, it'll come out of it. But most of the time I have to like close the game down and get back into it. Wouldn't be so bad if the menus weren't so painfully slow to get through and the loading screens for each section super painfully long as well. So getting back to Jonathan Reed's story. Jonathan is very boring as a character. He is torn between being a vampire and his oath of being a doctor and helping people. I would feel a bit more torn with this decision if any of the characters in the world were interesting. Because this is set during the Spanish influenza, everyone's sick and shit and depressed and gross and no one's sexy and everyone's ugly. No one's sexy in your vampire game? Not not one sexy character has shown up in my vampire game. What the fuck are they doing? Not one billowing shirt. Nothing. <laughs> Vampires have to be sexy. Like, yeah, it's like, it's it's part of becoming one. Yeah. It's like, well, what else can I do? It's like, oh, you'll be, you'll be like way hotter as you'll well. You'll be okay. super sexy. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Like the other week I had a couple of friends over and two of my friends are very sexy and people who didn't know who they were were like, are those two people vampires? Mm-hmm. And it was like, yes. Probably. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, it's just, it's kind of a weird game because like it has a, like a fighting mechanic where you fight like, a, like skulls or like a lower type of vampire that are kind of like lost their minds. Oh, ghouls and shit. Yeah, kind of ghouls and shit. Yeah. Um, you level up a tree of like abilities and stuff but my main weapon that I've been using I'm level 21 now and my main weapon has been a baseball bat with barbed wire on it Sweet. so I'm a vampire going around beating people's heads in with a baseball bat huh just like Yakuza 0 just like Yakuza 0 I have like vampire abilities like to throw up blood clouds that will do like AoE like damage and stuff but like that's on a timer and I'll use that to break people up but my main it kind of sounds like this game doesn't know what it is yeah like what? Uh, I'm I'm kind of confused as because I felt like everything you just said that's what they're kind of pitching the game as. Why is there combat mechanics in that? I don't know. And like to be honest, like I thought I'd hate the combat. I'm kind of getting more fun out of combat just because the NPCs are so boring. Like I've eaten people because you, if you like, you can sh you can kill anyone in the game. You can kill main characters, which is cool. It's really super cool concept. And it's kind of like a management location sim as well, where you're giving three areas, like four areas. You're given the hospital, like kind of a main hub, like Whitechapel, the docks and whatever. And you have to keep their health rating over a certain point. And you do that by making like like elixirs to cure their cough, to cure like 
anemia and to cure these kind of things to get your rating up. So you're kind of managing district's health rating. But the way you level up is the best way to level up is to eat someone because you will get more XP from them than you will from just attacking um, skulls and like like that kind of stuff. I have eaten someone because they bore me. Like, some drunk guy is like, oh, I'm so drunk, my life shit. And I was like, good, you're eating. <laughs> like, I don't care. I don't want to go through your story. I've met, like, four drunk people. Like, I'm going to eat you. The, on- like, the only person I'm really intent on killing is a priest because he's annoying and he's a priest and he keeps going on about wanting to fix everything with cleansing fire. But my mesmer level needs to be a tiny bit higher and he's literally the only character I'm invested in morally in my moral judgment game of eating like because i don't like there's people and they've interpersonal drama like there's a guy who's sleeping with another guy's wife and shit but it never affects me as a person as dr reed enough or the area is enough for being like well that's a very bad moral judgment buddy i guess i'll eat you to make the area better neve if you were a vampire like would would me and brian make it to see the next full moon or would that just be fucking it it depends. I would like to keep you going for a while. I'd like the threat of constant possibility that I would eat you being there. I feel like I feel like a mild version of that most of the time, honestly. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm always like, oh man, I hope fucking... <laughs> I hope she doesn't want to eat me today. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I really don't want to die. But here's the thing with vampires. That's my experience so far, is I'm bored by the NPCs and it's an NPC sin. And I have to find out their stupid stories and manage them based on if I care about them or not. I don't care about any of them. I've met 60 characters. I care about two at a stretch. This, <laughs> like, all this stuff really makes me, like, I never want to play this game. Yeah, this is making me tired. Uh, I think, like, if you want to, like, if this comes down to 20 euro and you're into kind of RPG sim stuff and vampires, there's a, like, there's vampire lore that you find in pieces of paper around the world. And it's like, it's like, garlic does nothing to them. And you're like, okay, that's interesting. But a slap with a rose. And, like, I was like, I like that roses can, like, hurt these vampires. Like, there's, like... fucking sounds like someone, something that someone who worked on Life is Strange would do. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Shut up, John. (laughs) I'm sorry, but it's, like, everything uh, you're saying... It's written by Christian Devine. I don't know. I didn't look that up. Okay, because he's the guy who wrote Life is Strange season one. Look that up there while I'm talking. All right. Um... There is moments where I do like this game. There was a moment where a boss was a werewolf and I got to bite him as a as a man and drink his blood. And then the werewolf bit me back and we just kept going between biting each other. Sounds very okay. sensual. This is written yeah. by a French dude called uh, Stéphane Bouverger. Well, Stéphane needs to, like, I don't know, watch Queen of the Damned or some shit because this is, like, the worst vampire... It's just not sexy. Like, who wants to play a vampire game? When I think vampires, I think camp. I think sexy. I think, like, I think big emotions. Dr. Jonathan Reed is a boring dude who's really naive. I kind of feel bad for him. I want him to find someone who's going to be like, look, here's here's what's going on, buddy. Because he's like, I'm so tortured. I don't know what's happening. Like, all the time. And not in a, like, tortured vampire where just in a moany guy way yeah kind yeah. of thing leave every curiosity did you ever play the blood the last masquerade game vampire the last masquerade yes yes i have yeah is that any good 
Yes, they're really fun. Yeah, because I always liked the look of that. They're fun because they lean into what's fun about vampires, and that's the camp. Yeah, I think one of the main images I've ever seen is, like, a schoolgirl vampire. Yeah. It's like, but that's, like... It's like there's like like with vampires as a thing like and there's all this lore about like the an analogy for like bisexuality and that even like shows up in Metal Gear with the character Vamp you know like there's this, oh yeah yeah there's this what what do they say he's do not like called it? Vamp because he's a vampire he's called Vamp because he's bisexual mm-hmm. he's like I think there's a phrase where one of the colonels goes he likes his bread buttered on both sides and it's just like there's this thing with vampires where there's this kind of oozing of sexuality and like lust and just desire and yeah. campiness and fun like there's something like really yeah like like like, to, like to me a vampire like disarms you by looking at you yeah and they're just so inviting because they want to be invited because they can't because they're parasites like like they don't live among humans mm-hmm. but they need to feed off humans mm. yeah that, that's that's a really good way of putting it and I feel like more involved with this, like, I don't really care about eating anyone, so I feel more involved in the management sim aspect where I am just going around making cures for coughs and just feeding it to people just because it puts my town in the green rather than the red and that's better to see. I don't know, not the game I wanted it to be. Janky, freezes, slow. My main point of having fun with this is soundtrack and sound design absolutely amazing oh yeah super good industrial cellos like huh really fun get that echo mm-hmm it's like some good 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 shit music wise i'm having f- a little bit of fun with the combat and i'm gonna finish it just to see where it goes and maybe it'll pick up but i'm like 15 16 hours in eh mm. okay yeah not not too hot there not the vampire game I wanted. No, no, that's a shame. So, I have been playing. I guess there was a lot of talk about the Ori 2 remake. I think that remake sounds really, really good. I'm getting really excited about it. Yeah. And so, in my hunger for more Resident Evil, especially after Resident Evil Vendetta, I went back and started playing Resident Evil Zero for the first time. Have either of you played this game? Yes. Okay. Uh, I played it briefly on the GameCube because I got a loan of this. Okay. Um, there's a lot to like about this game. You play uh, main character is Rebecca Chambers. I think we're all Rebecca Chambers fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's Great. cool. She's really cool. Very very cool lady. And early on in the game, you get paired up with Billy, the man who murdered 26 people. Yeah, and he looks class. <laughs> and he's got tribal tattoos. Oh. And the first thing that happens is that Rebecca's like, "Hey, you're Billy. I know you from your photo." And he goes. <laughs> been fantasizing about me <laughs> yeah no billy <laughs> fucking no we don't know that neve she's the only resident evil character with a mullet yeah he has some fucking mullet <laughs> and a wife beater oh. and his dog tag still on and the one handcuff Ugh. he's pretty shit, yeah, shit. <laughs> he only shows up in one other game really which one umbrella chronicles for the wii oh okay oh dear yeah oh because because that's a light gun shooter yeah that just reenacts the previous games. Yeah. yeah. And because this takes place the day before Resident Evil 1. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some stuff I'm really, really liking about this game. It's like, this is the Ori remake engine. So it's 
it used a lot of pre-rendered backgrounds and stuff, so like you know, very specific camera angles and. Are you, are you playing on GameCube or PS4? Uh, PS4. Okay. Yep. I think it. I think it was on sale or free in something. Yeah, it you, sounds you, right. you might have it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I might. But um, some of the pre-rendered backgrounds look fucking amazing. There's one part where you go out onto the the first section takes place in a train, and you go out onto the roof of a train, and like the rain and the way it's all animated looks so beautiful. Like it looks absolutely phenomenal. And um, it has that kind of, you know, nice Resident Evil atmosphere where it's kind of like, it's just like, there's a real good tension to it, like where the zombies are and everything, and it's like, it's generally, you know, the stuff I like about Resident Evil. I do, the pre-rendered camera does feel, I guess, more dated than I thought it would, which actually made me rethink my wish that Resident Evil Remake 2 would be remaded. I think maybe they've got they've picked the right path there. They totally have. Yeah. Time yeah. controls are the best. Yeah. Now, that said, I feel like this game has some fucking insane issues. This is some of the worst menu slash item management I have ever experienced in my fucking life. It is maddening. Okay, so the way this works, you got these two characters. Each character has six or eight item slots I think it's it might even be six there are multiple items that take up two slots so what'll happen is you'll get to a new room and you'll find an item and you'll be like do you want to pick this up and it gives you the option yes or no I wish it would just tell you you didn't have room you hit yes then it tells you you don't have room so you're like okay I'm gonna drop something there's no chest that like in most Resident Evil games you just drop stuff on the ground so it's like, okay, I guess I'll just drop this here. And then you try and drop it in that room, but you can't because you've already dropped something else in that room and there's only one tile in this room. So then you have to go outside that room, Resident Evil door open animation, go out, drop something, go back in, Resident Evil door open animation, then go in, get that item. Then you run to the other end of the train only to realize that the first item you dropped is actually something you need. So now you need to run back to the first location to pick up that item again. It is infuriating. On top of this, there's a mechanic where you switch back and forth between two characters. And, oh my fucking god. It's like, they both have separate health bars and they both, one is going to be AI controlled and you can let it attack or not attack. And you can let it idle or not idle. So if you set it to not idle because it's low on health, you have to then run. You, you, you can just move around freely and they'll stay in the same room. But if you want to reconnect with them, you can't go into the menu and just say, come get me. You have to go back to the room they are through all the fucking Resident Evil door open animations. And it is so fucking frustrating. Like... I had a bit where I was like, one guy, where one of my guys was low on health, so I wanted to leave him behind. I went all the way to the end of the train again, but then I couldn't go in because it looked dangerous and I needed both my characters, so I had to go all the way back again. And it is so awful. And then the combat scenarios when it's two people, basically you have to do this big sequence at the end of the train section where it's like, you know, kind of boss fight, semi big emergency run, and then afterwards they dump you into an environment where it's just you and your character and one of them was really low on health because I was like you know I just done this big massive section and then they just dump you into this really cramped area where four zombies just get up and that's not so bad if you're just trying to defend yourself but your partner can die too and so my partner just 
died because there was he just got grabbed straight away and died. I lost 40 minutes of progress. That happened to me twice. Twice I have lost 40 minutes of fucking progress. This is one of the most frustrating games I have ever played and I now finally understand why I have not heard more about it. And what's really frustrating is if you take away all the shit I'm after talking about it, if you take that away, this is fun. This is stupid, campy Resident Evil. The environments are really good, the zombies are fun, the foot, the cutscenes are really terribly acted in places in the best possible way, and I like it. And I'm probably going to finish it, but Jesus, this is frustrating. This is so frustrating. It's it, a slog. Imagine if they made early Resident Evil games way clumsier. This is the first time they implemented that system and the last time they did it as well. Like, they clearly learned it was awful. I like to call it the Cluedo mechanic, where one item can only exist in one room at one time and one character can only really exist in one room at one time. Oh, but, they're, but they're constantly in the way of each other. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it that's... is super frustrating. But like, as you said, that's a fun story. Like that is like that's Rebecca's story, and, and I'm that's enjoying fun. it. Yeah, like, really, I really am. And like the fucking this this the bad guy is like this long haired vampire monk who like sings, and when he sings, all these like mutant leeches come to life and turn into people, and then turn back into leeches. And Wesker's there, and Wesker's like, "Who are you?" And he's like, you know, he, he's. He's the non-Umbrella Resident Evil bad guy who Umbrella have ruined his life and now he's bad. <laughs> like, he's the same guy we talked about earlier. Yeah. But, oh, and I'm, I think I'm going to beat this game, I think. Like, I, I'm actually going to go back and replay that section again because I actually do like it. But Jesus, the, the quality of life issues with this game mm-hmm. are some of the worst I've ever seen. I found it so frustrating. The only way I got through it was with a guide. Yeah, I think I'm just going to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, I'd I recommend a guide. And even some of the like puzzles and environments are not well designed. You know the Resident Evil glints? You know items do that? Any item you can pick up has that glint where like yeah, you know, a gradient of white moves past it and makes it look like it's shining. Well, there's stuff in the environment does that that is not item pickups. And so you run around this... So if you if you run to a dead end, you will run around this table trying to figure out why you can't pick up this gleaming glass. And it is... I really want to like this game but fucking hell fuck Billy fuck Billy not a character that has aged well nope his his late 90s misogyny did not age with the times Brian yeah take us out of this dark hole okay um, I started playing Hollow Knight oh no on the Switch Uh, based on a lot of the games we've just talked about Hollow Knight is kind of a mishmash of all of it. Uh, Hollow Knight is a game that came out on Steam uh, in early 2017 and has just been released on the Switch. And it's made by Studio Cherry. I think that's what they're called. I think so. And it's a three-person development team in Australia. And a fourth person who did the music and sound design. Uh, I didn't know this this was a Kickstarter game because it doesn't feel like one. Uh, this is a really, really well-made game. I've played 24 hours of Hollow Knight, and I'm nowhere near the end, because I suck at this game. Is it hard? It's so fucking hard. Like, so hard. Um, it's a mix of Metroidvania, but it has Dark Soul mechanics in it. 
Um, you play, uh, so like it's 2D animated and it looks like it's done kind of in flash animation style. Kind of feels like Bidey of Brackenwood, the Newground series. Like, it doesn't look like Ori and the Blind Forest or anything like that. But it has really, really nice visuals where I'm looking at it and I'm like, I could, I, I you know, like I, 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 I could totally see how they made this game. And there's nothing like too difficult technology wise. It, 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 they, they've really lent all their like strengths towards this game. Um, but holy shit, this game is hard and there's no like real waypoints on where to go. So you have to read an online guide or talk to other people who are playing this game, which is kind of what I've ended up doing. There's like four people at work who have also got this game. So we're like sharing and swapping info about certain doors you go in. But they've really done a great job of it being a Metroidvania in that uh, you kind of explore like three or four areas and then the game really opens up and you can go wherever you want. And the only thing that'll like hold you back is that you might not have the double jump to get up to a certain area. But each area has two or three entrances and exits. So for one of the areas, I actually went through the back door rather than the front door. And I did experience the area, it's just I, I experienced it in reverse. But they have the game designed so that the game never kind of like breaks because you've gone this way. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really, really cool. Like they've really thought about all the possibilities. Does it have a narrative? Very vague narrative, just like Dark Souls, where it's all environmental. It definitely looks very Dark Souls inspired. Yeah, um, I'll probably end up watching YouTube videos afterwards about lore because I'm missing a lot of lore. And I found this cool ability where you you uh, can attack enemies, but it doesn't damage them. It just refills your healing meter. But when you do, you can read their thoughts for a sec, and it'll just kind of like have their last bit of motivation because all the enemies are kind of like parasitic zombies. So they're like little beetle people or kind of insects, and you're just playing a character called like the Wanderer or the Knight, and it has a Dark Souls mechanic in that you'll die. And then you can go back to your shadow and you have to fight it and then you'll get all your currency back. But it kind of has this weird thing where it has a bunch of different currencies and one of the currencies is just used for shops. But there's a finite amount of things you can buy. So once you've bought out all the shops, that currency means nothing. So then what motivates you to go back and fight your shadow? Nothing. Like, you, 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 you uh, can just leave it. The only thing that would motivate you is that you have two-thirds maximum health without your shadow and Um. like if you want a full health meter you need to get your shadow back right right but there's a but like the easiest way to solve that is to just die again closer to a respawn bench uh so instead of bonfires or the lamps in bloodborne you have these benches that you sit on and you'll just sit on a bench and then you can like sort out your stats from there but a lot of the gameplay is kind of like Super Meat Boy. It's very like slidey, precision, 60 frames per second. Yeah, yeah. Quick controls. And a lot of the like puzzles that you might do. So like you, 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 you've got your kind of like main game direction. But then there'll be like a little gap. And it'll be like Metroid where it'll be like a missile expansion. But you kind of have to do this like, like wall-to-wall leaping, avoiding the thorny walls kind of thing to get to it. But it's very easy to die. And when you respawn, you don't respawn where you were like you like you wouldn't super meat boy or something but you respawn like back at the bench and say so you have to go two or three minutes back to where you were to try it again so it's a quick reflex game but then the spawn and save points don't complement that at all sure. so there's certain things that fight against it 
but then like I really really like the atmosphere of this game and even though I'm really really bad at it I'm still determined to finish it you having a good time with this one Brian? I I was I don't know if I'm having a good time anymore okay um, like you need to play this with a wiki or a walkthrough because the game doesn't telegraph enough on where to go yeah I've heard a lot of people say that it's easy to get lost do you guys think just in general is that a knock against a game um, I don't mind it for an hour or two but I, I'm wasting time and I, I like something like Metroid Prime wouldn't tell you where to go but like if you were like wasting enough time it would tell you like oh there's actually a suspicious like signal from here mm. maybe you should check this out the environment kind of lets you know yeah like in Bloodborne I didn't I haven't been touching a gu- gu- guide but like I can get through it and I can experience it kind yeah. of I feel like if a game wants to throw a wall at me I'm fine like if you want to hit me with like a really tough boss or like a tough puzzle or something like that that's totally fine if I hit a point in your game where I'm like I don't know what to do next I feel like then that's a designer has fucked up this this definitely feels like that okay. and like I really really like this game and at one point I loved it but now I'm kind of like a bit disappointed in parts of it right okay but like I, I do recommend this game it's one of my favorite games I played this year I wish it ranked higher like at one point I was like because I think so far my favorite game I played this year is Owlboy and I was like I think this is better than Owlboy but now I'm like no uh, it, it's not as good as Owlboy because Owlboy came did its thing and then left yeah this yeah. is this is kind of frustrating my time and patience a lot now yeah and like I know with Dark Souls and Bloodborne like there is a bit of monotony to it but eventually you kind of figure out what to do with this like it's not done very well and like the one thing I kind of wish it did because it borrows a lot of Dark Souls mechanics I wish you could like because like it's only once or twice where you'll explore an area and then you'll break a wall and you'll end up back where you started so then you've made yourself a shortcut which is great Uh, because there are boss battles and you do need like a quick route to get back to the boss because you're going to end up fighting them 20-30 times until you learn off their pattern and defeat them but with this they don't have like a real like straight line path to them like you do have to kind of go the long way a lot of the time and that kind of eats away at your health and it's not fun to get to the boss yeah yeah anything I've seen of Hollow Knight it's always been a purple and black background yep do the environments change or is it always the kind of same color palette? That's the majority of it. There is a few colored areas. Like there's one area I found which is like a honeycomb hive and all the enemies are bees. Oh, cool. That Cute. place is great. A lot of it is I have to play the TV on vivid mode or if, if I'm playing in handheld, I have to have the brightness up 100%. Oh, that sucks. Because the background elements and foreground elements blend into each other mm. because everything is different shades of gray. It's that very, like, rich purple that's nearly on black kind of thing. Yeah. It would not print well if that was... No. No, it would not. Yeah. Um, it, like, you need to have brightness up at full because... Um, and, like, it lends itself to the world because you are going deeper underground into a nest. And it is a maze-like game, and that's part of... Like, yeah, the, I saw an interview with the developer saying they wanted to create that feeling of being lost. Yeah. That's just how I feel every day, so I don't know why... I, I don't know if I'd enjoy that. Like, it, it, it's got some cool things where you'll arrive to a new area and you don't have a map, but you'll find a map maker and then you'll have a map. But then you have the option to put a compass on that map to see where you are at all times. But 
the compass costs costs like a weapon upgrade slot. So oh. you use that when you're exploring, but when you fight the bosses, you don't have it equipped. So so then you can spec your character with a better dash. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, like it, it's got some really clever stuff that I'd love to see in other games. But then I wish there was stuff from other games that I wish was in it because it's borrowing from other games. It's just doesn't borrow everything I it, it could. Sure. Yeah. But I, I do recommend this game if you're interested in what I've said or like like it looks amazing and it, pl- it it's real fun to play. It's just. I wish I loved it. Yeah. I think that's a pretty healthy mix of games. So let's say we move into Quick Time Events! Um, okay, so we only have two stories in the wake of E3, and um, I want to talk about a little story about the Atari VCS console. Have either of you guys heard about this? I've no. heard it's a mess. Okay. This is fun. Um, so, basically, Atari have had all kinds of... Okay, so if you're, not, if you're not familiar with Atari, there's a company right now called Atari. This is not the same company that made the Atari console back in the day. This is a company that bought their intellectual property and brand... And have been re- and have been releasing lifestyle products such as the famed Atari speaker cap, which has a speaker in the peak of the cap to let you live out all your most rocking fantasies just on the bus or you know wherever. Wow, only an asshole would own that. Absolutely, product. <laughs> that is the worst thing. Yep. Um, and so basically, there's this website called the Register. And the register were invited, I think it was either during E3 or GDC or something, um, but they were invited to to come take a look at the new Atari console. And they wrote a really scathing article about it afterwards, being like, they couldn't tell us anything. This console was meant to have released on December 9th of last year. On December 9th. And is this like a SNES Mini kind of thing? Yeah, like what kind of console is this? Does it play old Atari games? From it's really hard to pin them down. This sounds like an Ouya, except it's called Natari. Oh, like they sound like they want to make a indie console. It's a little micro console with USBs. Yeah. yeah, that runs on kind of like Android. Which is like that's I I just don't think that's ever going to be a platform for indies because indies work fine on PS4. They work fine on Switch. They work fine on Steam. You know, mm-hmm. it's like. But anyway, and so on December 9th the day of release they said hey we're delaying the release of the console sweet and was this kickstarted so people have paid for this two million dollars on kickstarter <gasps> wow okay so this magazine the register anyway um, comes and it's like it takes a look at the console and they're like okay here's our article they haven't decided on a chipset. they haven't decided on a chip for a console that was meant to have come out seven months ago. They can't tell us if the controllers work in other consoles. They can't tell us what developers are developing on it. They can't tell us anything about it. And sort of like, so this thing seems like a fucking train wreck, okay? However, Atari responded to this, and let me just take two seconds and find this article, because it is really something. I'll edit it all out. Or don't. Neve, how are you? 
You said that. Oh yeah. I yeah. Guess. You 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 knew you hit it hard with that land. Now you're mil- why did you wink at me? I was well, now I'm uncomfortable. Are you gonna ask me, Dave? How are you, Brian? Cute. Cute. Yeah. Gay. How are you, John? Sad. Sad. Cute. Cute, gay, and sad. There we go. Those are our spirit diamonds. <laughs> okay. So, the register. So here was. They got asked about this question. They said, oh, you know, I have some serious concerns about your console. This was just on Facebook. Um, and so... Oh, no. Oh, no. Continue the conversation. Okay. John and technology, as we, as he's already said, he's kind of racist about the whole thing. And Jesus. And his phone... You know, phone doesn't like him. Yeah, it's... it's you know, I thought I had it. Okay. Here we go. Here we fucking go. So Atari respond. We honestly can't explain that article either. Our executive sat with that reporter for half an hour and he wrote what he wanted to instead of what we what we discussed with him. Sadly, there's even irresponsible trolls in quotation marks professional positions, I guess. We clearly said that we were bringing engineering design models. One of his criticisms was that they didn't actually have the console there. They had like hunks of plastic. Yeesh. And like plastic controllers and stuff. And lots of people, we clearly said that we we're bringing engineering design models to GDC, and lots of people clearly don't understand what that means. Hunks of plastic? Question mark. Well, comma yeah, comma. That's how you finalize the designs and confirm that you can get the look and feel you want for the finished product. Um. And then, just one word to end it. I love it when people do this. It always makes people sound so good. Sad. Full stop. Oh, God. You know, like the President of America tweets. Oh, yeah, he does, yeah. Perfect. He just punctuates with a single word. Yep, sad. But the delicious part is that the reg, the register came back and they were like, okay, if that's how you want to play this, here's every paragraph from what we said, and here is the live recording of you guys saying it. And it is just this brutal, just takedown, where, like... They've obviously sent what sounds like a very experienced tech journalist to mm-hmm. review this piece of technology. He asked them a lot of questions, and the answers he get are fucking gibberish. Like, there's a bit where they're like, um, well, you know, the launch the launch of a console is like the launch of a space rocket. Like, no one really knows what's going to happen. Oh and the guy is just like, I think they're very different things. <laughs> and it's just... If you enjoy someone really just getting, like, like getting called on their bullshit, you should read this article where they're just like, bang, bang. We said this, here it is live recording. We said this, here it is in live recording. Instant karma. Feels good. It sounded like a piece of shit beforehand. Now it sounds like a fucking scam. Woo! I don't, like... Oh, I feel bad for everyone who's kickstarted this, but the fact that you, like you have said that this is they bought the brand name and it's a lifestyle brand i don't know why fans of atari would pump money into this unless they didn't know that because i don't think they know that that's not like you know the atari t-shirts yeah, you see? yeah. that's not the people who made that console that's a different company that has cut the face off a dead body and is now wearing it yeah like you always Jeez. see them in like high-end fashion stores and it's just like they just have a license and they're just mm-hmm. showing it off. Yep. 
you think if you're going to kickstart a console, like, I wonder how much the lowest bid was, like, you know, the lowest tier to get a physical console was. Yeah, I have no idea. I think they got 11,000 backers. No, that's 11,000 very annoyed people. Yeah. I bet you that money's gone. Oh, long gone. for sure. It takes a lot more than $2 million to develop a console. You could you could barely make a game with $2 million. Mm-hmm. You would have to make the most tightest, like, controlled game for $2 million. The idea that you could build a fucking console with that, like, even licensing software alone, like, impossible. Yeah. But yeah, Neve, Life is Strange 2, and I knew it was Neve who wrote this because it said Life is Strange 2 begins September 29th. Oh, I did. Uh, 27th. 27th. That's that's literally all we got. They put out a little trailer where it was stitching on a bag saying Life is Strange 2. Yeah. Uh, and I thought this was interesting because, like, no announcement for this at E3. And then, like, it comes out, like, maybe, like, a week and a half early, like later that there's the release date for well, it. Well, they had to make room for Captain Spirit. Yeah. That is true. From what I've read of this, the first episode is on September 27th. Yeah. And it's a five-episode series. Yeah. And, uh... The save from the little boy game Captain... What was it? Captain Spirit? Captain Spirit. The save from Captain Spirit carries over into this. What I assume is is it's going to be Captain Spirit, that boy, as a teenager now, in the same way, like, same max age rating, and it'll be his story. If they did that, I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Like, more just the prequel and then the thing. Like, mm-hmm. That's kind of... Yeah. Anyway, September 27th, coming much sooner than we thought, and I'm looking forward to it. Although Vampire, I don't know, I guess they're putting all their time into Life is Strange, because they didn't put it into Vampire. It's nearly like they accidentally made a really good lesbian game once. Yeah. Accidentally. <laughs> no, look, we'll see. I'm going to play the adventures of Spirit Boy or whatever the fuck, and we'll see how it goes. Enjoy that, Neve, because I think out of the three of us, you will be the most positioned to hate that. I'm gonna be like real calm about the whole thing and be like, it's all right. I'm I'm gonna be so fucking. You see, you see, it's gonna it's gonna be the game of the year 2018. Yeah, for sure. Captain Spirit. Nothing else good has come out. No. I mean, it's it's been a quiet year. I've yeah. been playing a lot of older games, which I'm happy about. But... Me too. Like I'm hmm. really enjoying going back to Resident Evil Zero. Is God of War gonna win game of year? Yeah. By default. Or, no, I, 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 I'm I calling it now, I'd say Octopath Traveler will win Game of the Year. Are you talking about Game of the Year or our Game of the Year? Oh, our, 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 our oh, Game of the Year. Our Game of the Year. I'm, I'm just calling Octopath, it now. Octopath, probably. Because Neve's going to, like, bully us into it. And, like, <laughs> for me, I'll be like, guys, Elboy's in my top five. And you'll be like, that's nice, Brian. That's nice. Yeah, Good congratulations on number 18, Elboy. Yeah. Good for you, Brian. Um, I'm a hope, like, Octopath is, like, all my... Hope is like resting on Octopath's shoulders for my good game of 2018. The demo for Octopath is one of the best experiences I have. Like it's fuck, so I don't great. know. Like when I try and think of like, like what's my game of the year so far this year? And if I'm really honest, it's like fucking Yakuza Six, and I hate that because Yakuza Zero is my game of the year last year. Mm. I think the game like God of like I think it's God of War is going to be on everyone's game. Oh of the year no list. question! Like 100 no question. Yeah, it, it's going to be in every top five. It's really, really polished. But like at the end of the year, the tail end of the year, there's some good stuff coming out. There's yeah. a Tomb Raider will be but coming. But they kind of get rushed with reviews. Yeah. Well, I'll, 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 I think Tomb Raider should be okay because September. What do we got at yeah. the end of the year? Ah, uh, fuck. September, Assassin's Creed Odyssey will be out as well. So they're like, 
that that for me, Tomb Raider and Assassin's Creed will be like what I'm hoping will be good. Smash is out the end of December or at the start of December, but that's gonna like struggle with reviews because it's too close to the end of the year. That's gonna be like, yeah, it's good, but I kind of had to like rush my thoughts on it. It's not like I got to play it and then like think about it for a month. I could not see Smash ranking that high for us either, unless unless they are really holding back their hand with that thing. Yeah. Because, like, I was even looking at more footage of it, and man, it's such a bummer. And I saw people saying it has a new engine. Then make it more different. Why would you recreate that game exactly the same? Like, Street Fighter 4 and Street Fighter 5 look completely different. Yes. Why, why isn't this the same as that? Yeah. Just put that saturation slider up, like, five notches. It's so washed out. Just, just add, like, paint blurs whenever they attack. Just give it some style. Mm, I agree. Totally. Is there any game that you're looking forward to that's coming out? Um, I got. I'm sure there's something, but I can't. Nah. Like nothing on your list. I'm excited to play the Shenmue HD remasters. Are they coming out? Yeah, they're coming. They should be coming out this year. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a bunch of games I'll be excited about later in the year, but there'll be surprises and that's cool like I'm okay with that because all that means is that in the latter half of this year I'm going to take a risk on a bunch of fucking indie games and then I'm going to pick one of them and get crucified over it yeah it's what you usually do it's what I usually mm-hmm. do um, like I really enjoyed Owlboy and Blossom Tales they were both like cheap games under 15 euro that meant a lot to me Owlboy looks beautiful it's it, I, that, the, I really think that game is an achievement that it took 10 years to make and it's not a fucking piece of shit because usually when something is that overbaked, it's a complete mess. Yeah. Let me let me do a little search here because I actually I actually am curious like what is left to come out. Sure. Um, actually, while John's searching, I'm just gonna say, uh, it's the summer, everyone, and we're kind of into con season, so our schedule's just gonna be a bit patchy here and there. The goal is still to release two episodes a month: one at the start of the month, one at the end of the month. It's just a question of when during that month mm-hmm. yeah uh, what we'll probably do is if you're a patron on the discord server I'll make a post there but we'll also have it on the twitter which is at let's fight a boss uh, but I'll give it like a two or three day heads up that hey we've we've recorded an episode it's being edited now we're estimating this this day yeah there's not going to be any massive gaps but like it, it's just going to be a little patchier than usual but please bear with us and if you're ash Anime Expo, Con Bravo, and even our own Dublin Comic Con. And Flame Con. Oh, and Flame Con. Fuck yeah. Uh, one of us will be there. <laughs> at least one of us will Try be at... Try figure out which one will be at Flame Con. The, what is it? Like a gay comic convention? <laughs> it's Brian! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo! I'm the loud one. I'm the one at the fucking front of the parade. Did you watch that comedian? Did you, did you watch... Oh, I can't remember her name. Code of Princess is coming to Switch. What's Code of Princess? Oh. It's a sexy beat em up where you play sexy girls. Yeah. Uh, no, it's awesome. Uh, okay, WarioWare Gold. Yeah. Okami HD coming to Switch. Okay. Do HD remasters um, count as best old game like fodder, or does that is that possible for best game of the year? I, I I usually just rank it as a new game because it because like they printed off new copies of it. Sure. Mm. Like I think, I, that's I think fair. with that stuff, let's yeah throw it in there. I think the fact that it has already come out or that is a remaster should go against it, but I still think it should have a chance. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, hold the phone. Yakuza Kiwami Two. That's that out at it? the end of August. Yeah. yeah. 
there's a very special girl I know that's looking forward to that. Thank you, Brian. I'm very excited. Uh, Valkyrie Chronicles 4, if anyone gives a shit about that. There you go, everyone. Your favorite series is back for another installment. There you go. Fuck yeah. WWE 2K19. Wrestling games, they're still going. Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh yeah, yeah. Everyone, there we go. Oh yeah, is that yeah. coming out this year? That's coming, coming out at the year. end of October. Oh, I think it's like wow. I think it's like twenty seventh of October. Okay, that will be people's number one. Giant Bomb's number one will be uh, Red Dead uh, Two. Their number two will be Fortnite um, or something. No, God of War. Yeah. And uh, then they'll fight about some anime bullshit. Travis strikes again. No more heroes. I'm very excited for that. Uh, on uh, Yoshi title. That's not coming out. Uh, it's meant to be. The, the Yoshi game isn't coming out until 2019. Is that a prediction or is that confirmed? The eShop pushed it to 20, uh, okay. 2019. Okay. It's in development hell. But yeah, I'm, okay, if, I, if I'm excited for one thing this year, it's Yakuza Kwame 2 and Travis Strikes Again. Because I just I can't believe No More Heroes is alive. Hopefully it'll be good. I really hope so. I don't love what I've seen, but I have faith in that developer to do cool stuff. Did they show that at E3 at all? No. Nope. Yeah. Imagine how much better that whole press conference would have been if they had just shown a little snippet of Bayonetta 3, a little snippet of Trigger Strikes again, a Metroid Prime and announced Mother 4. It's oh. <laughs> all I ask. Maybe, maybe, maybe that fan Mother 4 game will come out. It's supposed to come out in 2015, so any day now. Any, like, literally any day. Yeah. Although I think they, and they said that they're not making it Mother 4 anymore. I think they said that they're like making it their own game. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, whatever. They've worked so hard in it, they may as well own it 100%. Yeah, totally. Nia, what's FlameCon? Um, it's an LGBT no, nerd convention in August, August in New York. Yeah, we really do have a lot of cons this summer. Yeah, yeah geez. And I'm if we're not at your con, just get them to invite us, just saying. Or invite one of us and the other will tag along. I don't know. Just, yeah. <laughs> just beg at the organizers. If you want us to show up at your con, email your organizers. That's the yeah, that's the best way to do that. Met a lot of big shout out to all Let's Fight a Boss people. I met uh Oh for fuck oh, QCon. Jesus, yep. Okay. So I sell prints sometimes at cons. And You're in the artist alley selling oh, your wares. Yep. And I did print for this con character I really like. Android 21 from Dragon Ball Fighter Z, and it was only upon it was only upon finishing that prince did I realize it might have had very slight bore undertones. Jesus. Rebecca told me about this, and I was like, "How? How did he even get that into a print?" He's just a hungry boy. It. It's just. Her special, like, she's like a Majin. She's, she's like Boo, you know? So, so she, she just, absorbs, yeah. She loves to fucking eat shit. She turns people into sweets and eat them. So I thought, ha, it'd be real cute if, like, I if I drew, like, Goku and Vegeta as, like, little macaroons. And she's like, ha, I'm gonna eat you. And then I was like, ha. And so then I worked on that for, like, ten hours and had it printed. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh, no. Yeah, you're doing nothing to help yourself with this. I know, I know. And then some fucking... This... <laughs> I, he didn't even say he's a fan of the podcast but I know he is because he just comes up and he points at it and he goes and you say you're not into Vor <laughs> <laughs> oh nice for like a while last month I was like oh, they're kind of being a bit mean with the whole ha Josh the Vor fetishist but who said no one said that did they 
Do people feel... No No one in this fandom feels sorry for me. They're the worst ones. No, I feel sorry. Okay. Because usually it's me who's, who starts it. And then I'm like, oh, I have to put out this fire now. But you, but I can't put out this fire because you keep burning it. Yeah, you keep bringing it up. Like, we're ready to let it go. And you're like, mm, I love being eaten. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I said. Yum, I mean, yum in my tummy. If, if that were a thing, if I were into that, I would tell you because you guys know all my weird shit. It's not, it's just, it's just a series of really unfortunate, like, coincidences that, yeah. John's into so much weird shit, you guys. No, let's not go... Emails. Okay, because... The news was so light, we were gonna, and we said at the last episode we're gonna do a very email heavy episode, but it was gonna be a priority of quickfire questions, because they're a lot of fun. So we got loads and loads of emails. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, everyone. Yeah, our email is askletsfightaboss at gmail.com. And I've got a few. I'm gonna start doing a few, and then Neve, I might hand them over to you afterwards. Okay. Um. In no particular order. Okay, this is from Sean. Uh, favorite JoJo and why is Jolene your answer? Jolene, because she's a strong lady. I like Gappy from Part 8. I like Jolene, but my favorite's Dio. There you go. Okay, uh, what JoJo's... Sexy vampire. Yeah. Okay. What JoJo's part had the best plot? What JoJo had the best characters? What is your favorite panel art from JoJo? Dio back pose where like Joseph takes a photo of sexy Dio that's really good yeah, that's really really good. really good shot my uh, favorite is it uh, best characters uh, I think honestly part four yeah same for I, me I'd agree with that yeah part mm-hmm. four for all of us um, best plot I think part seven same part eight the plot of Part 8 is very good, but... Yeah, but, but, I could see that. But, yeah. but because Part Eight's still ongoing, I'm worried it might get retconned because it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to be optimistically cautious about the whole the thing. The first... Uh, I, I feel like I've heard, I've heard... I've seen people online say, like, the Part 8 starts very slow. It does. I actually, like, just from off the bat, I was like, I, I so like into this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think my favorite panel is from Part 8. It's from a flashback with Damo where he is folding a 1,000 yen note and it's taking up the entire panel and in the background you could see like an entire like pier with yachts and like leisure boats yeah. and it's just the most detailed drawing um favorite panel that's a tough one I think I'd have to think about that one but there would is would it just be Okiasu like spitting a tooth out of his mouth or something Maybe there is one drawing of Giorno that I really love, but it's not a panel, it's in one of the art books. And it's like a real tight shot in his face, and there's kind of flower petals. It's like the real quintessential Giorno one, if you know that one. Mm. Yeah, I really love that piece of art so much. I think it's just beautiful. People are so pissed that it's pink Giorno. Yeah, I what? why? I don't that's what, I it, don't that's get what it. it is in my head. Yeah, hot yeah. pink. It's fucking class. It looks so much better than the blue. He looks like a car. Not wanna drag this out, but um 
the super action statues, the first one you can get of Giorno is the pink version and they're all, the colors of for those are all picked by the man himself. So it's the I official think, default color for I Giorno. I think the pink makes him stand out, especially in a full lineup. Because yeah. like the people who have blue, like Jonathan has blue, Jotaro has blue, Johnny, Jolene has yeah, blue. Johnny's blue as well. The pink makes him stand out and he's such an effeminate little guy as well. It suits him. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. With his blonde hair, it really yeah. looks good. Like it really like... It separates him from the others and in I such think a good way. The key art, uh, I think we talked about it, I can't remember, but the key art they've released from part th- uh, five looks amazing. It does. It yeah, looks it really, really cool. does. Hope it, it's like, got a loose style to it. Yeah, hope it animates well, because like, yeah. those are very detailed. But even if it doesn't, if the, if the art's that gorgeous, I can, I can let that go. Yeah. Okay, best side character in JoJo. For me, it's Koichi. Love that guy. That's insane. He's ama- He's brilliant. He's so good they brought I, him I've, back. I've given my anti-Kuichi spiel before. Yeah. You, I you like, like Palmer. Like Palmer yeah. is brilliant. He's a lot of fun. Um, Anna Swee, John. Your favorite. No. I, I like... It's really hard to choose. I love Okiyasu and I love Rohan. I kind of feel like the worst parts about those characters because like, I'm as stupid as Okiyasu and as bitter as Rohan. Okay. Yeah, but Rohan's super sexy and talented, so... Yeah. And then the last question is just about expressing your true self. Hang on a minute. But it's not really a quick fire question, so I'm just going to say, Sean, we loved your email, and this is who you are. And you should strike that pose. Okay. Wait, no. What, is there a question? <laughs> it's not really a question. You got all me geared. It's just a, it, 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 it's. It's just a feeling we all have. Sean, Brian ate your question. <laughs> You're not letting so have an sorry, answer. So sorry, Sean. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, okay. All right. This one is from Jack, and it says, "You're on a desert island, and you only have one fighting game. What is it?" Third Strike. Uh, Persona Four Arena Ultimax Suplex Hold. Does it have to be a fighting game? Just pick one of your fucking Tekken games, Neve. Tekken 5. Or Tekken 3 because of Tekken Force. Thank you, Jack. Okay, this is... You're not wrong. This is from Fuya. Uh, Name a non-anime show, movie, series that you would love to see as a fighting game. For me, that would be The Wire. There's a huge roster, great range of characters. I'd play as Bubbles. I would live to see Arc System Works Sopranos. Fuck yeah. Ugh. Um, Sex in the City. That's, yeah, that's a really good that's answer. A good one. Okay, because you got your four mains. Mm-hmm. Final boss, big. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Okay, but but who's making it? Um. Namco Bandai. Yeah, maybe. I like the idea of like big as the boss because he would have like the, like he's just massive, but his like attack is where he just keeps walking forward and kind of laughs at you, and like Kari just has to her attack is just writing articles after articles, Here's and the more sparkle, scathing baby. they are. What if it's Shane? Whenever I think of her, I see her as that really awful outfit from the first Sex and the City movie where she looks like a weird ice cream. She should be in her pink tutu. That's, yeah, I was gonna say her oh, sad yeah. pink that, tutu. That's, 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 that, that shows off way too much of her shape, and you don't want to see that. Brian, don't be mean. Miranda sexes I, everyone to death. Crap. 
and then like Miranda's special is that time she had sex with the firefighter but it's like a fire <laughs> it's a fire truck that just comes in and runs over people <laughs> and Here she goes oh, everybody the here's the fire <laughs> yeah. department put me out oh Brian Samantha's impersonation is here go on Brian keep going oh. uh, Miranda has her fucking baby and she throws it at you Jesus but then the baby like turns into her like husband with the backwards baseball cap and he's like Miranda I want to go play card games with the boys Charlotte is a whole pile of like Cavalier King Charles that rush you. <laughs> For some reason, there was something about Charlotte that made me really uncomfortable, and I never figured it out. She's, she's very lonely. Like as a character, she's sad as a character. I think it's in Sex in the City one, but her story arc in that is that she shits her pants. And that's, she is sad characters. <laughs> like, sad like that's all the interesting stuff that happens to her. My mom phone me up one day and she was like John would you go see Sex in the City movie with me because no one else will and I was like sure mom I went to see it and I was the only boy in that cinema and it was a great time it was um, she I, enjoyed herself and that's all that matters I saw Crossroads in the cinema I was also the only boy I like that film I saw the Truman Show in the cinema and I was the only person there oh wow it was so weird I was like am I that's kind of cool yeah. that's a really good film for that to yeah. happen yeah uh, okay, this is from Adam. Uh, what games have you played where the sound design seemed crucial for your enjoyment of exploration? For me, that'd be the Metroid Prime series. Uh, sound design, sound, sound design of like the atmosphere, audio, sound effects, everything is so good. Really, really kind of makes you play it at a slower pace and check out the surroundings, and it's totally worth it because that's an exploration game. Uh, God of War 2018. That game is good, but it would literally be nothing without the sound design. That sound design can shake you. Uh, kind of obvious one, but Silent Hill 2. Absolutely, like that. That game is that sound design. Great question. Thank you, Adam. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you, Adam. What a gem. Adam. Classic Adam. Classic Adam. Always at <laughs> it with them questions. All right. This is from Emily, and she has three whole questions for us. Fuck. Okay. Uh. How does John struggle? Well, not really struggle. Well, I just kind of like mix of just depression and anxiety, I guess. How does John come up with the titles for Neve and Brian? Oh, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I don't overthink them. A lot of times they just come to me, which is why most of them are bad and the occasional one's very good. Okay. Does Brian have a weak spot and how do I hit it? Yes, he yeah. does. Brian, there are certain things that make Brian just fucking furious yep and I know some of them one of them he mentioned before the podcast is flat earthers Brian has no time if I start shooting the shit and I start pitching some flat earth uh, Brian like Brian, bit. Brian wants none of it like I don't doesn't I, mm-hmm. even and normally it makes me uncomfortable no, normally if, if normally if I want to if I want to act the bollocks Brian will be right there with me but he will not touch flat earth stuff no I it's nearly like he's scared of the truth Jesus. It's hard when you know it's true, isn't it? It's really not true. That's the whole mm-hmm. thing. It really scares me as well. Like, I'm with Brian on this because so many people are in on it now that, like, people ignore actual scientific facts. Like, 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 <laughs> like to me, flat earthers are like anti vaxxers. Yeah, like, yeah. They're so totally. wrong that it's dangerous. Yeah. I mean, I just I don't understand why you can't book a flight from west to east why can't why why won't they fly us there what what's there what is it 
How do planes work? Do you know the thing that I do find kind of hard about Flat Earth? Like, just the most basic. You can see the curve of the Earth. Is that an illusion? Are we on a giant disc? But Is it a keep, disc? They keep saying you can't. Is it a, ti- the one thing Is it like a time cube? drives me nuts about black, uh, flat earth theory is the idea that we're surrounded by water all the time and there's a whale god in it. That's like, like it, fucking Terry Pratchett shit at that yeah, point. Yeah, I know. And like you keep going further with like, I was just like, okay, I'll watch a video. And I had someone who watches a lot of these videos for fun explain it to me. And like, it ends up with you're, we're surrounded by water at all times. Like the flatter, because I was like, "Is there space around it?" And they're like, "No, water." So just infinite water. Yeah. So space is real, but it's full of water. Yeah. And we're on. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, another thing that will really, really upset Brian is if someone forgets his name, or I'm sorry, everybody spells his name incorrectly. Yes, it's Brian with a Y. He's not, not doesn't love dicking around with that kind of thing. I really don't appreciate it when my grandmother. Says happy birthday, Brian, uh, but it's Brian with an I, and I know she's ninety, and I love her to bits. But, oh but like you know, <laughs> just just because she's, has, is this in writing or is she speaking? In writing, in birthday cards. Okay, yeah. yeah. I once wrote a Christmas card to you that said like Merry Christmas, Brain. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I actually prefer Brain to that. <laughs> and I have to scrap it and write a different one. I think one time I got one where it's like Happy Birthday, Brian, but it was like the shrimp. R-I-N-E. Yeah, like like the fucking food that whales eat. If I come on to Brian, we'll freak him out as well. Yeah, but I'll just lick your nose. But no, if I, if you do that, and I'm like, that's fine, sweetie. That will scare the shit out of you. And that's only happened once, but you freak the fuck out. Okay. I think we need to revisit that at Com Bravo. We're going to have a... Horny time. It was many years ago, so your tolerance has probably grown, but I don't We that. are going to squeeze it out in a bed. Okay, let's keep going with Emily's questions. Okay, the third question, which is kind of broken into bits, is uh, I'm kind of curious about the audience of the podcast. Do you know the male-to-female ratio, age range, uh, which country they're from? Are there any f- uh, fans that surprise you that happen to listen to this podcast? From what the analytics show, it is... 67% American. Thank you, guys. Then UK. Then Germany. Then Ireland. I think is what we're kind of at. Yeah. Uh, age range. Late teens to early 20s. It varies wildly. I've met like 13-year-olds who are into it, but I've also met like like 36-year-olds, 40-year-olds. When I find out there's like 14-year-olds listening, I'm kind of like... Yeah, oh, I have a real moment uh, then where I'm like, oh no, oh yeah. no, no. Yeah. Not that we don't appreciate our younger listeners, but it's more just like, oh, I wouldn't say this shit to a 14-year-old. Yeah. yeah. They're not ready for this. Uh, demographic... It seems to be majority male. But not that a majority, which is good. Yeah. Do we know it? I saw from, like, YouTube, I think it was, like... God, I think it was, like, 80, like, 2% male. Really? From, But that's from YouTube. We don't that's get actually, any analytics from, like, ac- anything that's else. That's actually pretty... That would be very... Like, if, if it's, like, 1 in 5 is female, that's really high for a video game podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. to be fair, it is. And, like, like... Maybe it's just that not a lot of our female listeners are using um, YouTube specifically. But uh, even just going from emails, Emily, it does stand out that you are a girl. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. And then just, are there any fans that surprise you that listen to the podcast? Racists. Yeah. (laughs) 
racists <laughs> and people who's, and homophobes yeah just just people who send us emails that were just like maybe this isn't for you and mm -hmm. you aren't for us but we're not gonna reply to you yeah never um, a lot of people at work listen to it. Yeah, a lot of people from real life. That that always weirds me out. Yeah, like I had lunch with a friend the other day and he was like, oh, I've been listening to you all week, so this is kind of weird. And I was like, well, do you want to do the talking then? Because you've heard I all about... I fucking hate that. Isn't that the Like worst? you've heard about uh, my, my fucking stupid opinions. Let me hear your dumb thoughts. Mm -hmm. We could be stupid together then. Yeah, real life listening. I was like um, working in a studio once and the new episode went up and there was five people around me listening to it in real time and I could hear my voice through one of their headphones oh, no. and I was like, no! <laughs> Sometimes I'll be out with someone and like halfway through they'll be like, oh yeah, I listened to your podcast. And it's like... <laughs> I kind of feel like I'm in a, I'm trapped or something. Don't listen to our podcast. Yeah. No, do. But. I like to cultivate a very specific version of myself for people. And then it like all like once I know people listen to the podcast, it's like, oh, shit, you know what I'm really like. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, you know yeah. so much more than I'm comfortable with. And you know so much more about me than I'll ever know about you. Yeah. Like, I feel like you always well, like, have the upper hand imagine here. Imagine someone who's been listening since, like, episode 30. Mm -hmm. Like, even, not in mind the dark, not, not, not in mind the black tapes, imagine just episode 30. Like, how many hours of, like, just listening to us continuously talk. It's about 70 hours worth of bullshit right there. That's a lot of fucking data. Yeah. Okay. I, remember, I remember I was at Erdic, I think it was Erdicon before. No, J-Con. J-Con was last and year, And I had yeah. a little meetup afterwards, and there was this group of lads there. And one of them was like, oh yeah, because you need to like eat every hour and a half. And all his friends laughed because they all got it because they all listened to the podcast. And it was so fucking weird because I was just like, this group of strangers knows personal things about me. And you know nothing about nothing. them. Nothing. I don't know who these people are. You've got no ammo to like quit back at them. No. Nope. So you just have to take it and be like, ah, good one. <laughs> Note to self, stop saying weird shit on the podcast. And here we are, 70 episodes later. Bore everybody. <laughs> Okay, this one is from Ben, and thank you for this email, Ben. We're going to try and be as quick as we can about this. What are our thoughts about the Thundercats reboot series? I think the backlash against it's stupid and ridiculous. I agree. Yeah. Um, looks I, brilliant. I think it looks really, really fun. I, um, I'm going to address a few quick things. People say that it looks like every CalArts show. Not wrong. Go back to the 80s. Look at how every character looks like an action figure because they were trying to sell action figures. They all had that super masculine look to them. Art has periods, things grow in stages. You can, it doesn't look exactly like if you think it looks exactly like Adventure Time, if you think it looks exactly like Steven Universe, you are not looking at those shows very clearly. If you think Thundercats is a genuinely fantastic, amazing show, I think you should go back and watch more Thundercats. Yes. Not just the intro. That intro, fucking incredible. An absolutely timeless masterpiece of animation. Thundercats as a TV show, from its visuals to its story to its characters, go back and try and watch a season. I did that in college because I really liked Thundercats when I was younger. And I was just like, uh, I think the DVDs or the Blu-rays came out while I was in college, so I ended up getting them. And like, they are all you know um educational and lino learned about pride like <laughs> like that is the like that is it Maybe every episode you do that voice in just a series and it's 
it's just like I was like, oh, this is what it is. So the people complaining that this isn't true to Thundercats and stuff have not watched Thundercats. They're going completely off their mental image of what that was like when they were a child and getting fucking riled up for no reason. And also what really annoys me about it is there was a Thundercats that you were looking at, the 2011 one. Yeah, it ran for two seasons. Which is good. Yeah. it's it, That is that is a good show. Yeah. No one gave a shit. Mm-hmm. No one gave a shit at so this is the best decision yeah yeah and this is the fun of adaptation i love that we can have thundercats from three different periods with three very distinct styles it's like this like kind of map of animation through the years as well and what's popular and what works in studios and what looks cool yeah like like, with, 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 uh, with, with mickey mouse there's been like 10 different iterations of mickey that's gone from like rubber hose style to upa style to a more finished style, to now it has like a Toon Boom Harmony look. I've to also Kingdom se- Hearts. I've also yeah, seen to Kingdom people, Hearts. I've also seen people break down the animation, um, like kind of frame by frame, and be like, oh, it looks real fucked up in this frame. Breaking down animation in betweens is the lowest form of animation criticism. It is, yep. like, it is a, such a stupid thing people do. And then people are saying, well, like, oh, you know, it's just manipulating the bodies, it's really lazy animation. That's just a different style of animation. That's super limited animation. I worked on a bunch of TV shows. Most of them worked like that. Some of them still looked incredible. And I mm-hmm. like some of the I like the animation for this. I think it's expressive and I think it's really fun. I don't care that much about it. Like I'm not I don't think it looks like the best thing in the world, but I was like, "Oh cool, that's a weird thing to do with ThunderCats." Mm-hmm. It definitely caught my attention more than if it would have if it looked like the 80s show or the show from the start of this decade if they were doing thundercats again and it looked like the 2011 version or whatever it was i'd be like that's insane because that didn't work yeah so yeah fuck that yeah people just just fucking chill outrage culture man outrage yeah. culture bored on the internet bored on the internet okay this is from tyler uh tyler just- what's up tyler just wondering how you guys feel about tattoos. Do you have any? Or would you ever get one? I think John would have a tram ta- tramp stamp of some big anime boobs. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jesus Imagine Christ. having boobs on your lower back. Yeah, John. It would just look like weird balls. <laughs> that look cool. Yeah. John, whose boobs? And why? Fucking seriously. Go for it. Uh... Biking? No. Or Mikas. Or no, Mikas. No, mm-hmm. no, it would have to be someone classy. Oh, you're one from uh, Fire Emblem that you both like. The goth girl. Tarja? Yeah, Tarja. Um, I'm not that into Tarja. Yeah, oh, I, I you're into Tarja. Oh, yeah, fine. she's great. She's, she's okay. top tier. You, you, I can have a think about it. Okay. Neve, you've tattoos, don't you? Yeah, I have a half sleeve. Um, it's a half sleeve of of a coral aquarium kind of thing. It's got some fish. It's got a clownfish. It's got uh, an octopus. Uh, the clownfish sometimes looks at me, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Hey, Brian." I was actually thinking about getting a new tattoo, a Star Wars one, because I've wanted a Star Wars tattoo for the longest time. Huh. But I am so torn. Like, I was, like, ready to email the studio being like, hey, I want to get a Star Wars tattoo. And then that, like, like, um... Remake The Last Jedi? Yeah, just Kelly Marie uh, Tran being, like, bullied off the internet. The Last Jedi remake shit all started happening. I was like, I don't know if I want this on me. And then the other problem I have is 
a lot of the kind of nicer iconography and some of my favorite designs from it are from the Empire and they're just space Nazis and I don't want Empire stuff tattooed on me. So then I'm like, what's nice from the Resistance? And I love the Millennium Falcon, but I don't know if you could like distill that down into a design that would work as a tattoo kind of thing. So I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't know what I could get as a Star Wars tattoo. Frozen but- Leia. Get like Han Solo's dice. Ugh, that's, ugh. Oh, what if it's just text? Greedo shot first. No. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That'd be pretty fucking sick, wouldn't it? That would be epic. epic. <laughs> okay, uh, I was saying before recording, Neo should like have a. It should be tattooed on her forehead, and she pulls back the fringe, and it's a porg. I just think that'd be really. You see, cool. that's cool because it's like sexy and funny. It's like, hey, I've got a <laughs> secret to show you. And you could do that. You could like bulge out your eyes. My porg neck tattoo. Yeah. Oh, you should definitely get one on your neck. So like every job interview is like, oh yeah, my tattoo looks pretty cool, huh? <laughs> Working in animation, no one gives a shit if you've tattoos. I actually think tattoos help in animation because people are like, oh, you're cooler than me, and I'm like, yes, I am, nerd. I I <laughs> want. Give me the job. Okay. <laughs> I, I want the Slipknot S tattooed on my neck, but I want it tattooed backwards so when I look in the mirror, it looks okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's who it's for. Yeah, John, which which anime boobs do you want? Do I have to pick this? Yeah. Can I not just say a tattoo I'd actually get? Yeah. Okay. Both. I don't know. I like. Like I like I like tattoos of animals, but I like when it's very stylized. There's a really cool artist I follow on Twitter who does like, they'll draw like a red panda. But it'll be like the most fucking badass looking red panda ever. Like it looks like it's made of smoke and it's super cool. Oh, Natalie. Possibly. Ugh, can't think of her name. But um, because I've been kind of thinking about getting a tattoo for a long while. But it's kind of like I just need an image that speaks strongly enough to me. You know that kind of way? Yeah. I don't need it to mean anything. I just need it to look at it and be like, yeah, right. And you're comfortable with it on you. Yeah. Like Natalie like be- Hall, I think you're talking about. She does really cool animals. No, but that's pretty cool. It's definitely not them. Um, go check out Natalie Hall's artwork. It's beautiful. Okay, we'll do. That's Neve's loot drop, everyone. And if I have to get a boob anime girl on my lower back, I guess... I don't know. Faye Valentine, maybe? I don't know. She's cool. That's yeah. a... Okay. That's a good answer. Yeah, there that's you a good go. answer. I like her. She's, yeah, it's she's, relevant. She's sick. Okay, uh, this is from Caesar. Uh, what game protagonists would you like to see swapped into each other's games? Like swapping Final Fantasy 7 or yeah, so Cloud for Final Fantasy 7 is in Luigi's Mansion. Okay. That's pretty fun. Okay. I want Crash Bandicoot in Shenmue. That's pretty good. Crash Bandicoot in God of War would be fun because Kratos would be so mad. (laughs) Chris Redfield in Animal Crossing. That's your, oh, oh that's that was really good. Yeah, <laughs> he's so he's so big, and like he's always on the verge of being like, are these things monstrous? I want Leisure Suit Larry, everyone's fucking favorite. Ugh, they're bringing. There's a new game. Yeah, there's going a, out. a fucking yeah. thing. I want him in uh, The Last of Us Two. Azora from Azora's Wrath in Cooking Mama. <laughs> Cooking Mama in Tomb Raider. Yeah, just to survive. Uh, who else we got? Who's a who's a funny video game character? James Sunderland. Okay, what's he doing? Tetris Attack. <laughs> He's in Mario Party Four. Oh my god, that's so good! <laughs> that is so good. 
<laughs> it's like and like his idle animation is just him on a square crying. <laughs> I would like Lara Croft in every game, but she's ignoring the main narrative and is just trying to steal all the items and you have to get to anything you have to collect before Lara does. It's kind of a time attack Lara mode. How about something where like the Pokemon I swap with other things? Monster Hunter. Yeah, monster. Like Pokemon. That's pretty cool. The apes from Ape Escape, but they're in. Uh, it's just pretty hard to do it on the spot. It's tough. Yeah, we'll think about okay. some great ones later. Alice Madness Returns, but it has fucking Ape Escape guys in it. <laughs> <laughs> like, or like fucking Deus Ex, but it has like KK Slider. Or Dosh and the Giant in Deus Ex. I think that'd be perfect. Sure. Dosh and the Giant in Deus Ex. That's. Can't beat that. Oh, this is a fuck Mary kill. I don't. I, 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 I kind of find those very vulgar. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is a fuck Mary kill for the Persona three, four, and five characters. You could pick a character from three, four, and five, but you gotta fuck Mary kill one of them. But it says main characters, so we have to pick the mains from each. The one. main. Okay. So the main of Persona three is a boy and a girl. If we're including portable, which I will. Three or sorry, four is you Nakamura. I know that's his name from the fighting game. And then Persona 5, the main guy's called Akira. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I th can I go first? Yeah. Marry girl from 3. She's cute. I like her. Fuck guy from 5, because he has a mischievous smile, which implies he'll know his way around the bedroom. And kill that other fucker, you. The grey haired guy. Yeah, I don't like goofy people. The, the, the cool ass senpai. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, marry the girl from 3. Why? I feel like why? <laughs> why? Oh, I'm just coded, you know. <laughs> We're coding this podcast gay because I'm gay. Um, <laughs> uh, kill Akira and fuck the grey-haired guy from Four. Okay, for me it is kill the boy from Persona Tree because he's got a stupid fucking headphones. I'm gonna kick him in the headphones and they're gonna cave into his skull. <laughs> okay, I don't think you need. To yeah, we didn't need to. Yeah. I don't like how he <laughs> looks. He looks like a little shit. He's my favorite. I would have killed him if I didn't marry the girl. Fair enough. I'm I'm gonna marry the guy from Persona Five. We're gonna like live in the castle and we're gonna steal stuff, and it's we're gonna it's it's gonna be a great future together. Mm -hmm. But I am gonna have like a one night stand with you, Nakamura. I just I just want to see what he's got going on down there. Sure. That, there you go. That's the worst See, Brian, question. That wasn't, that wasn't so bad. Thanks, it Nick. was. I talked about murdering a teenager. Again. We talk about that literally all the time. Because yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. Me and John murder stuff sometimes. That was from Nick. Thank you. And Thank this you, one Nick. is now Matthew. So. Uh, best Street Fighter character? Uh, Sagat or Ibuki. John? Vega. I think, I think Sagat is a legitimately very good character. He's brilliant. Like, he actually has... If you follow his storyline through the Street Fighter games, it's really sad, and it's really good. He and killed, I like Sagat a lot. He killed Ryu's dad. What the fuck are you... T that... No. No, he did, did, did Sagat did not... Okay, fuck it. We're doing it. Okay. Sagat was the champion of the fucking world. He, no one could touch him. He was the undisputed Muay Thai killing machine, the Tiger Emperor. He killed Dan's dad. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. But then the scar in his chest is from... Dan's dad, is it? It's from Ryu. Is it from Ryu? Dan's dad in that same fight took Sagat's eye, which is why Sagat killed him. Okay. That's why he killed Dan's dad. But 
Then he became even more of an outcast because he was always just this giant, tall, bald fucker living in Thailand and everyone was always scared of him and he became even more of a fucking monster. And so he embraced that and he was like, I'll show you a fucking monster. And so he became the best fighter in the world until this little tiny 18 year old Japanese boy came and beat him and scarred him worse than he has ever been scarred and gave him that massive scar across his chest and so he embraced all the hate he embraces all the rage and he goes and he joins Shadow Lu, the most evil motherfuckers in the world and he gives his soul to M. Bison evil in fucking incarnate just because he's so torn up that he needs another shot at Ryu he needs it so fucking bad and he beats Ryu in the second Street Fighter tournaments and he's like, why didn't you give it your all? And Ryu is just like, fighting you is just like fighting nothing because anger doesn't mean anything. <gasps> then he goes and he fucking trains with Dalsum for ages and he fucking meditates and he chills and he learns to chill the fuck out and he becomes a good guy and he helps the children of Thailand and he doesn't want to be in Shadowloo anymore because he's a great man. So yeah, Ibuki would be my favorite. Vega because like, he's kind of slutty. Yeah, he is. Uh, I like Chun Li as well, but Chun Li is just like, yeah, I like she's, she's a she's a nice she's a nice strong woman, and that's how she always is. It's not really an arc there. And Ormika as well. I like Cami. Yeah, Cami's Cammy's cool. pretty cool. Although Cami yeah. Cami's so weird because sometimes she's a clone of Bison, sometimes she's Bison's like wife. I like Guile because he's gay. Guile's okay. Best Mortal Kombat character. Um, sorry, just real quick. If people want, they should check out Street Fighter 2, the animated movie. If we're going to start doing video game movies, we're going to do that at some point. And then we're going to do the really fucking weird Street Fighter Alpha movie. Best Mortal Kombat character? Um, Reptile. I love Reptile. Yeah. For me, it's Sub-Zero and Scorpion because they're the same fucking character. So is Reptile, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Sub-Zero. I, I, I like Ice. Uh, the story, the Mortal Kombat storyline is really fun. Like the way they did that in nine and ten was really cool. Cassie Cage is really good. None of the designs really ever grabbed me. I like Bellatar, but that's just Master Blaster from Mad Max Three. Sure. Yeah, that's about it. There's some really cool designs in ten. Uh, Melina's redesign is awesome, and there's this oh, insect cool. girl as well. Did you ever see her? No, I haven't. Oh, oh she's so cool. Mortal Kombat, everyone. Mortal Kombat, everyone. Okay, Neve. Best Tekken characters? Uh, kangaroo. Brian Fury. Thank you. Brian Fury, the good Tekken character. I like the Williams sisters. I think they're great. I like uh, June Kazama. I think she's great. I like Master Raven. I think she's great. I like Raven. He's great. <laughs> um, is fun. Oh, yeah, I love Kazuya. Kazuya's really fun. Horang is cool. I like Horang. I like Bake as well. Um, what do you like about Bake? He's kind of a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I just sure. like his, like, I don't know. I, he was a main for a long time and I liked him. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's just kind of how Tekken goes. You like your mains. Fucking, I know I bring it up every, like, 20 episodes. Those Tekken 4 intros... So good. Oh, so good. My favorite is Lee Lee Chalong. Oh, he's he is fantastic. A lot of gay energy there too. <laughs> no shit. Okay, uh, best guilty gear character for me that would be Elfelt. I think they're all great. They are, there's no bad guilty gear characters. The gay guy with the pool cue. Venom. Yeah, like yeah, Venom. He's very good. Uh, I really like Saul Bad Guy. 
because one time another character went back in time and killed Saul Bad Guy in the past and then returned to the present, but Saul Bad Guy was still alive because he's really strong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's really strong. And then... Yeah. And one from any other fighting game of choice. Uh, should, we, should we do Super Smash Brothers? I like Akira from Virtual Fighter. Oh, that's a good one. Or Go from Virtual Fighter. Go is a, a goth who likes judo. I like Dr. Mario in Smash Melee. And I like Teddy in Persona 4 Arena Ultimax Suplex Hold. Um, Geese Howard from King of Fighters. He's cool. He's fucking brilliant. And Terry. Terry, the hungry wolf. Eve? Eh. <laughs> yeah, we've maxed out Eve on fighting games, I think. Yeah, she's fought it all out. But, like, if you played Smash, who would you play as? Like, who is, like, getting your attention? Duck Hunt Dog? I think we've answered this question before. I like playing, like, um, as all the characters that are people. So yeah, I'd see you guys. playing as, like, Sheik or Captain Falcon. Um, I, well, I, Peach and Ganondorf. Peach is really good. Yeah, I like Peach. Did you see the change they made to Peach? It's so lame. What is the change? So before, she used to whip out uh, Toad and like thrust it in front of her and he would absorb an attack and spit it back and he's like going ah like he doesn't want to get hit now they've changed it so he dives real brave out in front of her and she cowers oh no it's so lame because I like my like head cannon version of Peach is actually she's a super fucking badass deep down and I really enjoy that yeah I like the idea that she would just use someone as a human shield but the idea of Toad being heroic is Dumb. Yeah, it's awful. Anyway, next question. Yeah, the fodder. Uh, this is from a different Tyler. And it's here. I personally thought the Star Wars prequels did some things quite well and view them fondly. Um, so I was wondering if Neve, who loves the prequels, could explain why you like them. Yes, I can. <laughs> I think there's something to be said for the first Star Wars like films you see in the cinema might be your favourites kind of thing. Um, they were the first ones I saw in the cinema, obviously, because I was a kid in the 90s. Um, but what the prequels does for me, personally, is it was my introduction to world building. It brought politics to Star Wars. It showed how politics can be twisted from the inside to create something evil, which as a child was a concept that just blew my mind. Um, it was something that brought character design and specifically costume design to the forefront of my imagination. I love the prequels because they seem like an old tapestry. Like it, like the characters talk like idiots. No real people talk like that. But like if you read like like the Odyssey or like some old literature and everyone's really stunted and they don't really seem like real people and it's more about the general idea of what happens to set up something else. That's what the prequels are for me. And they kind of have that visual look with the costuming as well. These kind of grand gowns and a lot of the shots are this really like wide shots where there's like a lot of architecture that are arches and stuff. I think it's some of the best ship design in all of Star Wars. I love the Naboo royal ship. I love all the Naboo fighters. I think... Uh, Anakin's like Jedi Starfighter is a really cool ship. I really love all of those. Um, what I also thought was really cool is um, so visuals, location design, 
um, bringing structure to Star Wars in terms of politics. Um, I grew up in a super Catholic place and I always thought the idea of the Jedi being really cool was great. But then I thought the prequels kind of made them like they became that weird religious order. Yeah. And there was something, even though they were still the good guys, there was something dark about it where they never really felt like the good guys. They were always kind of like they weren't supporting Anakin every time he came to any problem. Like Yoda gives him literally the worst advice advice ever when he's worried about his mom dying and he's worried about like Padme dying. What advice does he give him? He's just like, oh, fear is bad. Didn't stop being shit about it, Anakin. He just says suppress it and get on with it. It's such an Irish thing to say to someone. Yeah. And it's so like, it's so like what a priest would say. Like, it's just kind of like, stop caring. And Anakin's like, well, I can't stop caring if I keep having nightmares, having nightmares about the person I love dying. And then I think there's all this really great interpersonal stuff. Like, like Obi-Wan is a really interesting character to me because He's, he becomes a mentor when he's not ready to be a mentor. He was being trained by his mentor and his mentor mentor dies. And then he's put in this position where he has to be this reluctant teacher. And he is a reluctant teacher. Um, and like he is struggling. Yeah, and he really does struggle. And I think that also like fails Anakin in that point. Because it kind of like he never really wanted Anakin as a pupil. So they have this weird kind of terse relationship kind of thing. Uh, so I liked that interpersonal stuff. I liked how the Jedi were kind of weird. Naboo to me is one of my favorite designs of a planet or just like fictional locations. I think it's really cool and fleshed out. And the soundtrack, Duel of the Fates, is one of the coolest pieces of music ever. Like, I really love it. Is that John Williams as well? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's really, really iconic. It's cool how it's in the first film and then they bring it back for the mm-hmm. fight between uh, uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin yeah. the, on the lava planet. And like, it has its problem. Like, th- those characters are like, awful. Like, like some of the writing is just like, painful to listen to. Yeah, yeah totally. It's very still too. But I remember I saw Phantom Menace in the cinema like yourself and it blew my fucking mind. Like, I was, I was like 10 and I was like, I'm into Star Wars now. And then I never actually got into it. Oh. Yeah. So, right place, right time, it kind of solidified my love of Star Wars a lot. That started with the toys and then went into the movies. Um, and I really like the prequels because I don't think I would be as big a fan as I was. And I really think they're leading into the new films in such an important way with like just destruction of what the Jedi means. And I think people are like, ooh, where'd that come from? It's the prequels. Like that's where that comes from. It shows them not being very great, you know? They have a flawed system. Mm -hmm. They caused their own destruction. It brought a depth to that world that I think was severely lacking. Not even severely lacking, but just wasn't there. And when you have that depth, you can branch out and you can go in so many crazy directions. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Tyler. Okay, let's see. Final thoughts need on Star Wars. Love it. The fans are ruining it. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's a hundred percent true. This is from Waste of Flesh. This is for you, John. Uh, can John just talk about his love of exercising for a little bit? Sounds really passionate about it. Um, like I don't know. I just like I I just I, exercising is just how I deal with the feelings very emotional person and sometimes it gets all pent up and it's like I go exercise because it's like that's just the best way to do it 
And like a lot of it is because I was like young and I watched a lot of Dragon Ball Z and I watched a lot of pro wrestling and I associated like strength with physical strength, which it kind of isn't. But it's like, I like exercising. It just kind of takes me out of my head and it's like, it's, it's fun to do. And like, no matter what kind of mood you're in, there's like an exercise for you. Like if you need to chill out, you can do some yoga. If you need to like, if you're a little anxious, you go for a run. Feeling angry, you lift weights. I lift weights after this podcast a lot. Sweet. Yep. But um, yeah, I don't really have any super deep thoughts in it. And like, I don't love exercise. It's just kind of part of what I do. You know, it's just kind of, it's how it's, it's a habit I have developed. And just do it every day, I guess. Well, like, yeah, but some of it's like real soft ass exercise. Keep it soft. Yeah. Keep it soft, everybody. Okay. This is from Christopher. Uh, do you guys have any experiences with emulators and or ROM hacks? Uh, if so, with the latter, any hacks you enjoyed? Um, I would say a huge part of my gaming knowledge came from using emulators. I downloaded massive libraries of games when I was a teenager and I played through so, so many games. Um, I haven't done that many emulators. I always have a bad experience where I'll play uh, a very long RPG and I'll get a couple hours into it and then the ROM corrupts itself and I lose my save. Um, So... I'm kind of pro-piracy, but when it comes to games, I actually kind of prefer having the confidence that it's a reliable product. That being said, I love watching Let's Plays of hacks, because I have a Mac, I don't really, I can't really play a lot of weird hacks. So I watch Vine Sauce, he's very good for hacks. Uh, I used to be really into mods back in the day. Yeah? That's what we call, used to call ROM hacks, I guess. Well, I guess mods were for like actual games, but yeah, I got really into like Half-Life mods and yeah, they were, yeah, fucking Gary's mod. Some of the shit, like, was... Like, people were just creating, like, really high-quality assets and doing really incredible things with them and, like, just changing how the games worked, and it was really cool. My favourite thing is, like, characters put into Counter-Strike that shouldn't have guns but now have guns. I love anime girls in GTA mods. I think there's something really mm-hmm. funny yeah, about that. Yeah, they're pretty good. I like... Final Fantasy 15 on PC has led to the most hilarious teams of characters running around together like Dante's there like it's it's great maybe that would make that game bearable probably um I hacked my PSP when Sweet. I got it we and I had a lot of games for it on a, <laughs> a lot of non-sony games and it was good it was a good time I like that console a lot I love the PSP okay this one is from Jorge and it's, what are you guys' opinions on Dynasty Warrior games? Specifically, Nintendo Warriors, like the Hyrule Warriors, or Fire Emblem Warriors? Um, I don't have much experience with the Dynasty Warriors games. A friend of mine used to own it, and I used to play multiplayer with him on the PlayStation 2, which was fun. I think Hyrule Warriors is a legitimately fantastic game. I got, like, 60, 70 hours of that game. I enjoyed every second. It was great. Um, I've played a bit of one of the mainline Dynasty Warriors, because it was on PS Plus couple years ago and I wasn't into it uh, just because for me I can only like a Dynasty Musou game if it's based on an IP I'm already familiar with so the One Piece game is fantastic that's such a good one yeah just because it lends itself to it like it really needs to be uh, a concept or a world where it has a lot of fodder enemies so for One Piece it kind of works because there's loads of these marines and in the world of One Piece, you have these crazy strong pirates, but there are human beings in that world as well. And they're just represented as you just push them back with one punch. 
and that is very satisfying. It's uh, I really like the Fire Emblem one just because there's a huge cast of characters and they just do a parallel dimension where they all get to meet each other. Um, that's cool. I think what I really liked about the Hyrule Warriors one is I felt like they really took a lot of those Zelda characters and gave them this completely original take. Like Impa in Hyrule Warriors is the coolest version of Impa there's ever been. Yeah. I love the hack and slash genre and I wish we had more of them. Like. Like, I guess that's what, like, Musou games have become, but, like, as hack-and-slash games, I kind of miss those games where that was the combat. Yeah, because hack-and-slash kind of turned into character action. Yeah. yeah, like, it's really kind of a score attack thing now where you're just, like, juggling a combo. Yeah, Yeah, and I don't I don't like doing juggle combos and getting, like, A ranks or S ranks or whatever. Like, that's not fun to me, but I used to love, like, I love Drakengard for its hack-and-slash. Uh, there was a game, Chaos Legion. Loved the Chaos hack Legion was so good. So good. You could summon your own monsters and mm-hmm. stuff. That was so cool. Yeah, defense legions and like attack legions and stuff. That was great. There was a Sephiroth ripoff. Um, that was really fun. Um, uh, 99 Nights was a 360, I think, title that was like, that was really fun. Fuck yeah. That was part of that disastrous Konami E3 mm-hmm. press conference as well. <laughs> oh yeah, the guy with the dreadlocks was promoting, promoting it. Extreme. Um, I like uh, I like Samurai Warriors. I, I, Samurai Warriors Orochi Tree is the game. That's the sweet spot, is it? Yeah, it's like I play that before bed a lot because it's like one of those like wind down games where you don't really have to think. You just have to hit things, and the characters there's so like it's such a huge roster that it's just always there's always someone fun to play as with fun abilities. I was super disappointed by Fire Emblem Warriors just because it was very grey. I thought. It just kind of. Do you, do you remember how we said like the, the Hyrule Warriors made like really cool takes on those characters? Mm. That seemed like the exact opposite of what what Fire Emblem. Warriors totally, did. no new costuming on the characters, and like Link gets a cool scarf, and there's loads of like interesting character design stuff and color stuff in like um, the Zelda in, one. In the Hyrule Warriors. Uh, the it's, it's, it's same to One Piece game. There's loads of different alternate costumes that are based on like color spreads that have only ever been seen once. Mm. Like, I felt like the, the, the Fire Emblem one was an uh, in-between thing. Like, these models are the ones that are going to be used in the new game. Yeah, I I, I, I think that game is just padding. Yeah. That game, the the, the new Fire Emblem game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That game looks like... It looks really plain. It, it just... Oh, yeah, the it, art it, direction needs to... Be, there, something needs to happen with the art Because, like, the art direction in the other ones was cool. Yeah. Thought, like, yeah, it, it, like, yeah, it has a cool chibi design look to it. This, this kind of looked like the GameCube and the Wii game. Yeah. That, like did well but it just it doesn't work when it's that big it yeah it needs like a little kind of like cute like like kind of twist to it yeah yeah I mean, if this is specifically for you this is from cameron neve will you please say thirteen thousand three hundred and thirty three thirteen thousand three hundred and thirty three how about we all do it? John, you, you go. 13,333. Okay, now me. 13,333. Well, I can pronounce my T's. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Victory, finally. <laughs> nice, Cameron. Okay, uh, we got two more emails left, and these are some wowzers. These are the cream of the crop. Oh, yeah. I'm fucking pumped. Let's do this. It's super dark in here. Can I turn on the light? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, Not the strobing <laughs> one. <laughs> Please. While, while John's turning on the light, I'm going to do some uh, reading. Okay, so this is from Razorama. Razorma? Razorma 12. 
Look, that's your name and that's fine. Okay, hello Elfabbers. Oh Jesus. Don't 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 say that. What? Elfab's cool. Yeah. It's not. It's lame. Elfabbers are great. Elfab is awesome. Brian, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing? Yeah. It's just a couple of Elfabbers, yeah? Yeah. Elfabbers. This is the name yeah. of our like fans. We've, we've been promoting this. This Brian, is army. If you had if you Jeez. had a problem with this, you should have brought it up at the merchandising meeting. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I should have. I should I Elfabbers. Brian, get get on brand. Guess my shares are going where they go. Look, you just, you just, what's one Elfab or do another? That's all you can be. Fab it up. The Fab. Okay, one. When y'all try to do American accents, they suck straight booty. Hey. I, no, I, I know what Americans mean. That means it's good. Like, when you use those regular mid Atlantic accents, you sound fine. John sounds the most American when he talks normally, but at the same time, y'all sound hella Irish, except John, that is. I'm sorry, Wolfman. I, I don't care. Oh my god. Oh my gosh, stop Whoa. insulting me. Shut the front door. <laughs> There's two Americans in here right now. This is insane. It, where is the Guinness Brewery? What are you doing in here? <laughs> Do you guys go leprechaun hunting on Sundays? Yes. Your houses are so small. <laughs> How do they fit in there? Do you guys have swimming pools? No. Hey, two. That wasn't a question. <laughs> two. <laughs> a statement. Brian, you picked this. I know. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do you guys think of video game genres? Like... Do you think they properly convey what a game is? Do you think a genre should be based on more than just mechanics? I think a video game genre, er, any genre, should be just a very quick and dirty descriptor of how something is. Two words. Like, one or two words. And that mm -hmm. it's not going to be accurate because you can't describe... Like, ugh, the lamest conversations I've ever had are people who are like... Is that really character action? Is that really a Metroidvania? Is that really a Souls like? Fuck you! Yeah. Fuck you! I don't care. It's so boring, and there's no answer. It's such a reductive, boring conversation, and there is no answer because okay, the way genre works is if you make, say, you make a cowboy movie. There is one cowboy movie in existence. That is a western. That is the genre. Now you make another cowboy movie from a different director, different writer, different set of actors. That too is a western, but because now that is 50% of westerns, the, what that genre is has changed because it has become added to by the first one. Genre is always evolving. There is no set rule for it. And anyone who thinks there is, anyone who's trying to like pin it down, it just feels like this weirdly compulsive need people have that goes nowhere and fills what I can only imagine is the darkest crevices of a person's soul. What do you guys think? <laughs> am, I, am I wrong on that? I, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that like... like People like, like to catalog and name stuff and put yeah. it away. I think genre is helpful when you are trying to recommend some um, um, something to someone and you need a shorthand. Like you're like, this is kind of like this. Yeah, like, this game meets that game, but it's got this going on. And you go, yeah, it's okay, a, it's I know exactly what you're talking it's about. It's kind of like, now. it's like a 2D Souls-like. Yeah. It's, That's Hollow Knight. Yeah. It's a way to describe something so someone knows what they're getting vaguely, but you can't nail That's how people stuff talk. down. Yeah, it's like Like I think genre discussion is interesting. Like, hey, let's talk about horror. Yeah, like That's really cool. But like when it gets to the point of like, well, this is horror, but this isn't. And like like I remember once I I think I was in college and some guy was like, you know, Alien. Uh, that's not a sci-fi movie. That's a horror movie. And it's like, oh, fuck off. Like, whatever. 
you're a horror movie. Maybe it can be both. Maybe or it's maybe both. it can be neither. Maybe like... genre is this incredibly nebulous thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Who is that? I've got more. Okay. <laughs> Same person. Number three. In your opinions, when does an action RPG stop being an RPG? And just become an action game with RPG elements. <laughs> I think based on everything we said, we're just like, we don't fucking care at all. Okay, like Fallout 4 versus Fallout 2 or New Vegas style stuff. Uh, what precisely makes Nier Automata an action RPG? It's got slots, I guess. I feel like action RPG describes 80% of video games now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very good, a little bit janky sometimes, just like some parts of JoJo. Sure. I guess a level up tree. Yeah, Leveling skill trees, up. stuff like that make something like that's an RPG mechanic that, but I don't think it needs to be like I don't think every RPG has them like people called Zelda an RPG and that doesn't have you're no, not playing because, a role yeah you're not you yeah. you you uh, use the same tool well I guess in Breath of the Wild you can approach things differently but before that everyone kind of used the right item in the right place to fight the right boss mm-hmm. it was a real set order of events and everyone got the same take home from it I think with an RPG you can kind of play as a thief or you can play as a mage or whatever you want yeah for me when someone says rpg it's the ability to build a character yeah i guess when i hear rpg it's kind of like i guess i would think there's going to be some kind of you know growth to the game that is that runs parallel to my skill like the game isn't just going to be about getting better through skill there's going to be some like you know stat progression or something like Mm -hmm. that yeah and then in terms of gameplay you have like the very slow turn-based ones you have something that has like a timer mechanic straight up action rpgs uh jrpgs which then become its own thing uh like it's a huge big coverall umbrella term yeah but yeah like it drives me so insane when people get really nitpicky about genre any movie music anything but yeah okay John, please do a video on Tepu when you get the chance. It's a great manga that you enjoy. I enjoy. People need to read it. Accept your role as an influencer. God, I hate that label. Yeah, me too. And do what must be done. I will do a video on Tepu at some point. The thing about doing a video on Tepu is like, that is a video that's just going to eat it completely views wise like no one no because <laughs> you're, you're all, making it for you and 10 people it's, and like I'm sure it'll be a great video that people will enjoy but it's like that will do so little views wise and like that's okay like that's fine but it's kind of like you gotta pick your spots with that kind of stuff because otherwise YouTube will be like oh we see no one's watching your videos anymore so we're gonna stop recommending your videos to people that's like oh shit okay but it will happen at some point Okay, this one's for me. Uh, Brian, you seem to be the resident movie buff. Sure. Uh, what do you think of Kubrick's films? Who's your favorite director? And also, since you're into trivia, is it true Kubrick was horrible to the female lead in the production of The Shining? I can answer that. As can I. As can I. Yeah, like we all... That's... All right. Uh, yeah, Kubrick's films are all right. I don't like 2001 Space Odyssey. I think that's a boring film. What's your favorite one? Shining, hands down. I like Barry Lyndon as well. That's a beautiful film. Mine is film. Barry Lyndon. That's such a, an amazing... That's the one that crashed, right? Before The Shining. Like, it didn't do well box office-wise. Yeah, it's a period piece that's like yeah. three yeah. hours long. But, like, <laughs> it, it's got natural lighting. Like, the set design is amazing. Mm-hmm. And they really went all out. Um, it's, it's, like, it's unreal production. But, yeah, like, The Shining is, like, amazing. Uh, fave director... I can't think of one. Really? Flip-flops all the time. Give us a few off the top of your head. Uh, 
Come on, there's some South Korean fucker you like. Park Chan-wook. Park Chan-wook's really good. I can't pronounce the name of the other guys. The guy who made Yellow Sea, uh, Chaser and the Wailing. He's a really good director. Uh, the guy who directed... Um, uh, Memories of Murder is really good. The guy... I don't know, like... I like David Fincher films, but I also don't like half his films. Mm. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I get that. I think it's like, like I like Seven, but Gone Girl's. Crap. You like movies, like you know. Yeah, yeah. Gone Girl's so bad. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, 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 I just like movies. I'll, I'll, I'll just go with it, and I, I, it doesn't matter. I, I, I try not to be a snob about it. Yeah, I, I try. But and... then I, I also fucking hate films as well. <laughs> like with films, I, I like to just be like, oh, this person made it. I might go see it, but then once I'm there, I try and forget about who made it and just. Yeah, it's film. The thing about Kubrick being horrible to Shelley Duvall during the production of The Shining is true. Yeah. Uh, The poor woman. um, She never quite recovered from it. She was also in Popeye as Olive Oil. Perfect casting. Yeah. Yeah. She's a very uh, rubber hose looking woman anyway. She's gangly. I don't know what else she's been in. Uh, I've seen her in recent interviews and she's not 100% there now. Oh, uh, I don't like them. The Dr. Phil ones. Yeah. I, yeah, she's she is, a bastard. She's, she's, like, she's unwell. Mm-hmm. Like, she is very, very unwell. But she's on television getting provoked. Um, and they yeah, just want to get a response out of her. He's, like, saying, oh, you know, we're going to send her off to rehab or whatever. Okay, send her off to re Like, shoot your interview with her if you got to do that. That's private. Send her off to re- in like, you know, to rehab wait like the fucking three years or whatever it takes for someone in that state to get right again and then ask her did she consent to that stuff being on television yeah not parading her around like a lunatic like that's really sad i hate dr phil yeah like bad person yeah like other people don't pretend they're anything more than what they are dr phil pretends he gives a shit and he's like he's made some of the most callous horrible cruel things i've ever seen fuck dr phil jerry springer just ended Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm shocked that that was still going. Is it he was, alive? It's he's still alive. Uh, I saw it during the week. Uh, the last episode of Jerry Springer aired in 2018. In summer 2018, it's over. What's, I wonder what he's still making. Yeah. What, what was what, what was what the final the episode? It's probably just him like going. You know what? I'm not sorry. And then it just ends. <laughs> I watched so much Jerry Springer. Yeah. I, I I used to watch it, but then my mom caught me, and I got in so much shit. I was I was pissed because I always thought there'd be like legit fights and there never really was one. It, yeah, like except it it, it it it's always badgering and provoking. The most violent thing I ever saw on Jerry Springer was it was an episode about white supremacists and there was like a there was a gay a, sorry a guy there and he was like Nazi Santa Claus was his thing and like that it was kind of horrible and it was awful but there was this black dude on stage as well and the black dude was super fucking cool. And the guy is, and he just goes, you know what you should call me? You should call me Roadrunner. Wanna know why? And in the space of about a second, he darted across the stage and just slammed the Nazi Santa Claus in the face with a punch. And it was so good. And like the security guards didn't even have time to stop him. It was beautiful. Do you know what show I also really liked? Jeremy Kyle, which is the British version of Jerry oh, Springer, oh, yeah. in which it's usually him with like, uh, like tracksuit lads, Jesus. and just him kind of like arguing, but like he gets yelling. really opinionated. Yeah, yeah he, he yells does. at them, and he calls them on their bullshit because he'd be like, "You told me a completely different thing backstage, and here we out here now, and you're lying to me." Do you ever get that thing where like you see like kind of like 
Oh, and Mari's really good. Mari's great. Ricky Lake. Uh, you Go see, Ricky. Like, you see like rednecks or you know whatever from America, and they're not scary at all. But then you see like English or Irish chavs, and you're like, because <laughs> yeah. like they scare the shit out of me. Because they're real and they're on public transport. But they're so fucking like you know when they have a go at you, like they're so intimidating. They, they'll kick the shit out of you. I'm frightened of them too. Yeah. The most frightening thing that happened to me was uh, I was on the Lewis, and if people don't know, I've like uh, gauged ears, so I have a hole in my ears, and one of them gets his little finger, <laughs> and he puts it through the circle of my earring because it was a crowded thing, and he was just that close to me, and he looks me in the face, and he's just like. You ever afraid that someone would just pull off your ears? And I was like, not until now. And he was just like, just messing with you. And he took his finger right out. That's, let me tell you, we <laughs> fucking breed them mean in Ireland. They're yep. so scary. You think you're hard, mate. Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, but yeah, I think, I think it's because like American movies have like, They've really like cartoonized the cartoonized them. They're, they're really yeah, because surely they're not any less rough than the rough people in Ireland. Let's take another email. <laughs> no, they've got one more. But uh, last thing, could you guys go into your detail about your jobs, line of work, or college years? For that, I don't. I'm not going to talk about work. Sorry. Why? Because I just don't want to. You're a compositor. Yeah. Um, I work in animation. It's cool. I'm a layout artist in animation. I'm a YouTuber. I figure people already know plenty. Yeah. Uh, well, animation college is much more interesting, I think. That was fun. It sure was. Thought it was shit. <laughs> yeah, but you did it wrong, Neve. <laughs> did it right. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of homework on that fucking course. Yeah. yeah like, was. as much as, like, fucking medicine or some shit. Yeah, it was super frustrating because, like... Like... It was really encouraged that you would do all-nighters and that you would fuck yourself up for man-boat waves. so romanticized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's don't, awful. Try, like, if you can work smart, do, don't kill yourself working because it's just going to decrease the quality of your work. Yeah. I got a bad back out of college. Yeah, but that's like... And that was considered an achievement to have a hump on your back. But that was... I remember that being like, get ready for your bad back. And it was just like, if you know that's going to happen, why don't you start good practice and like show people like stretches they can do or like arms, like hand stretches they can do instead of just being like, well, you're fucked 18-year-olds, you know? It's like, uh, create a good narrative, create a good practice, make people stretch. The one good thing I liked about... Well, like, I liked a lot of things, but one thing that stood out to me when I did the course in Paris in Goblin was that every day we did 10 minutes of stretching that's really good uh, yeah because we'd have like a life drawing bit but it was just like we all did a warm up and we all loosened out and it was encouraged mm-hmm. I know in the Studio Ghibli documentary they do that as well they kind of have like their school like exercise song that they all get up from their desks and they just do their stretches yeah like it's not hard I started looking up a bunch of hand yoga because I was typing and that so much that like my arms were getting really sore and like it fixed me right up yeah so take yeah. care of your body yeah take care of your body start doing stretches your your shoulders and your back will thank you later yeah totally yeah okay thank you so much for all those questions they were brilliant what a rush of emails okay but now it's time for our final email ad. Oh, shit, okay. I've saved this for last because it was a very good question. Hey, this is from Gustavo. Hey, Gustavo. What if Neve and Brian were YouTubers? The concept. Okay, what are our channels about? I'm gonna 
lean back for this one. Okay. I, I was thinking about this earlier on. Mine are a mixture of One Piece lore videos and Kirby lore videos. I've got this one video where it's like, guys, there, there are tracks from Dark Side of the Moon in Kirby's Fun Pack, and I'm going to prove it to you. And it's a 10 minute video. Kirby is the real Pink Floyd. What you got, Neve? There would like, literally be 10 subscribers, and I would do stuff like antique toys. Go figure, a review with Neve. Oh, sweet. Stealing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, they would be looking at the history of toys and maybe stamps and maybe call cards and collecting as a hobby. I don't know. Like, I figure as one of them females, you'd be pretty, like, unique in that area, I'm guessing. Yeah, probably. That, um, would, that would attract a small audience. You have a very good voice. People would like that. People love a good YouTube channel. Trust voice. me, people will... Americans will just eat that Irish shit right up. Thank you to everyone who supports my YouTube channel. <laughs> can, 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 we, can we do our YouTube voices for our channels? Go for it. It's like, hey, everybody. It's your boy, Brian. And I'm going to speak like this now for the rest of the video. When I was a young girl, my mom gave me a toy. That just sounds like my YouTube voice, Neve. <laughs> and toys remind me of childhood. And that's why you should brush your teeth before you go to bed. <laughs> well, friends, that was another great video. Thanks all for stopping by. I call my own video is great. <laughs> no, I do. Well, friends, that's another well, friends, one in I think the we bag. We all agree. I really knocked it out of the park there. <laughs> okay, Rock like, this one. You should just end the video okay. like that and see so, how it so, goes. So, like, it's me doing voice, but then at the end, it's me in the room, and I'm just in my underpants, and I'm just like scratching myself, and I'm like, "Well, that took two years to make." <laughs> Sometimes I do think about like if I want to destroy my channel, what would be the fastest, most efficient way to do it, like without getting like evil. Um, pull out your naked except for underwear and you have clothes pegs on your nipples. <laughs> I think it should just cut But you. like maybe a slow pull out that takes yeah. like three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it should just cut to you, John, and you're and you're a juggalo. <laughs> and people are like What? <laughs> what? Oh get weird with it. Or like it's you in your room and you just have like a lot of like New type magazine stuck on your wall, but they're just of like the wrong characters. That's a lot of YouTubers. But like, like the wrong. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna say what it is, but just the wrong stuff is on the walls. I think there's a good reason why me and Brian aren't YouTubers. Because we destroy it. Yeah, it would be too famous, too popular. <laughs> Probably more popular than I am in this fucking podcast. Yeah. Let's just say that VidCon would never be the same. Uh, we'd have our own con. On that subject, uh, I am sorry to announce that we actually have to cancel the Let's Fight a Boss Con 2018. Yeah, we overbooked the venue. We overbooked it. It was a fucking disaster. We have a scavenger hunt planned. Uh, we're just going to leave it out there. Uh, I personally want to apologize to everyone about the fire room. I, I don't know what I was thinking. It was just really hot and dangerous. We forgot to put balls in the pit. Yeah. So it was just full of like change. Um, sorry at that point that I started raining tarantulas. We're still looking into how that happens. T-shirts were 150 euro. Neve, do you know? 
you know. I think it went really well. Uh, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> 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 I like the bit where we had to stand 15 feet away from people to take photos. Yeah, not, that was good. Yeah. Do not touch Neo's ears. <laughs> Don't touch them. Leave that ear shit was terrifying. Yeah, no, no it's the most scared I've ever been. I, I, <laughs> I thought that. he was going to kill me. Maybe like three years ago. I really forgot how scary like Dublin can be when yeah. you just like... Because like, we're in Dublin, but we're not the only people here. <laughs> and yeah, there's just a big... Dublin has a big net. Yeah, do you remember that time Brian, a bunch of teenagers tried to kick the shit out of us? Shouldn't yeah. have been there. We should not have been there. Yeah, that, that, that was their playground. It was after 9 o'clock. We were... Shouldn't have done that. Yeah, sometimes life gives you, gives you gifts. Like this loot drop! Okay, this is the end of the podcast where we say, Hey, this is something we like. Yeah, here's a little treat for you for bearing with what has been an unstructured mess. But ultimately... It's I feel like we really knocked it out of the park with that one. Yeah, yeah. This, this episode is three hours long. We've do, we've done an, over an hour of emails, so you know what? Fuck yeah. I really enjoyed that. I felt like we really got into some shit with those emails. We did. Yeah, that was fun. Um, I'll go first. I would like to loot drop Mega64, Frieza Saga in under five minutes. If you're a follower what? of Mega64... Frieza Saga or... Or Cell Saga. Cell Saga. <laughs> I just discovered this video. It's called the Frieza Saga. <laughs> uh, if you're a follower of Mega64, you know this one's been coming for a really, really long time. And they've been working on this video for what feels like a decade. And um, it's really great to see it come out. And I am I think it's really funny. I think it's really creative. I'm really delighted to see the response to it because it's been just fucking crushing it views-wise. And like I'm glad because those guys deserve it and yeah. i watch a lot of mega 64 my sunday evening rituals i take a bath and stick on the mega 64 podcast which i hope they never find out and i i think this is a really good video and it's just it's it's good to see them still doing it you're gonna try and go to their panel at ash i think it's overlapping with giant bomb fuck yeah oh no Mine is, my loot drop is Chris Chan, A Comprehensive History. I fucking love this series so this much. This is such a good series. It's 13? Is it 12 or 13 parts long? It's 13 parts Jesus. long now. Yeah. Uh, by a, Lithu- a Lithuanian dude who lives in Ireland. Called Geo Sam- Samuel. Yeah. Uh, it keeps getting taken down, so I'll put up like the, the, the newest link, but it's been mirrored a bunch of times. It is such a really great, comprehensive collection of internet lore about... The most documented person. Yeah, Chris, Chris Western Chandler and the Adventures of Sonichu. Um, if you don't know anything about this, it's a deep dive into weird internet and a weird internet character. I wish I'd met that guy. It kind of crosses over, maybe into mean, weird territory. Who knows? But it's all out there for yeah. years. It's just a collection of it, to it's, be honest. It's really, really awful. Some of the episodes are difficult to watch. Yeah, especially episode eleven. I found that hard to watch. But then, Is like this guy being mean to to no, no, no. The, he's the, just documenting. He's just documenting it, and he's a really good like documentarian I guess yeah. of it like he doesn't interject his like personal opinion he kind of he'll he'll theorize on stuff but never like come down hard on anything kind of thing he, he's trying his best not, not to be nasty yeah he's being as fair as he can be sounds good what do you got Brian? Uh, I linked this YouTube channel before Dan Root but he just did a video on a Metroid Fusion 
on how it creates fear. Uh, I just really enjoyed this video. That is a scary game. Yeah, like you, you know, you, you know how you'll, you, you know how you have a favorite game, and then someone makes a video about it, and it doesn't take away from it or anything. It just you just kind of go, that's a really interesting way of talking about something that I I love already. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And now I like it in a completely different way. But uh, he talks about. Because Metroid Fusion, like this is, it's a completely different game to like Super Metroid and Hollow Knight, where you have a waypoint the entire way through that game, and you're on a guided path that's a very narrow, fielded game. Mm. Like you can't go outside of certain restrictive areas. So uh, people have the same experience with that game. But he talks about a lot of the set pieces and how the game has fear and it has tension, and how the tension builds up to fear. Because you play as uh, Fusion Samus, but you're hunted by the SAX, which is a clone of Samus, uh, who is at 100% weapon capacity while you're only at like 10%. And it's a scary concept because it's like a super zombie version of you, but what scares you is that you're in a locked room with a countdown timer and you have to like get out of there as quick as possible. And it's, so it's that urgency and rush that give the sense of fear rather than the actual character itself that sounds awesome and it's just you know using gameplay effectively yeah totally um, I'm also going to drop Nick Sphere's video about Hereditary so if you've seen Hereditary, Hereditary this is a good interesting take on it cool that's it that's a that's a stacked episode I would say it's episode 78 everyone episode 78 we'll be back episode 78 Eight and a half, nine. <laughs> yes, most definitely. What do you guys? Uh, I guess we. Should, I think. What do you guys learn from this episode? Because I feel like that's, you know, life's a journey. Uh, if the mood suits us, we could do a three-hour episode. But don't. But <laughs> but do not expect that every time. I like it when I see a three-hour episode from people I like. It's like, yeah, man. I'm so tired. Yeah, me too. I'm exhausted. Neve, how's it going? Good. Excellent. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.